as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you... Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Tribbles. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new content and new stuff. To follow the girl word, no podcast has gone forth. Hello and welcome to 2017 and the first episode of the year for Tribbles and Ecstasy, which is episode 247. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio this week, we have got... You sound like you're actually feeling well, Midnight. Ah, don't be fooled. (laughs) (laughs) Hello everyone, it's Sun. He has a hologram or a bot or something. It's me, Studoc. Holy shit, is it? 2017 already? God, is there snow? Oh my god, there's snow outside. I can't believe it. Timberwolf here. And we've got someone new joining us. Would you like to say hello? Hey everyone, it's Geese. Uh, Happy New Year. So, Geese is joining us to help talk about Star Trek Online on consoles. So welcome to the show, and would you like to tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely, no worries. Um, I've basically been a lifelong Star Trek fan. Um, as Midnight Shadow said, you know, I currently play on a PlayStation 4. Um, however, Xbox One is not out of my league, so don't feel discouraged. Um, and yeah, looking forward to talking to the community and uh, having a laugh with my new co-hosts. So, if you've got any questions to do with what's happening on consoles that you would like answered or something to be found out, let us know. As always, we'd like to hear your feedback. So, let's start with Star Trek Online news. Oh my god, how long have we been away and how much news has come out? Three weeks and not a lot. (laughs) Yeah, but the the holidays happened and didn't they like screw with the Xbox player skis? Uh, pretty much. What did they do? It took them. It took them a week 
almost a week till after Christmas to release the information for the Xbox One console promotion for buying Zen and stuff for the holidays. So they released the news after the event had finished. Well, no, 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 no. Because it was released afterwards, they extended it for the Xbox One community for so many days. But the fact is that even in the blog that came out, they said, we're sorry for the delay. And one of the updates from like 24 hours before that said, yeah, because of a marketing screw up, the information for your guys's promotion will be published tomorrow. And it's like, what? What? It's, it's cringe worthy. It's like, this is about the one thing. This is the only thing I wholeheartedly expect from cryptic and perfect world at this point. Disappointment. Yeah, it, it wasn't great, to be fair. Um, I, I, my heart goes out to all the console players out there. You know, the winter sale comes along, they want to buy their ships and, and so on and so on. And they, they have to wait. Yeah, that's definitely a shame. Well, I'll say, I'll say one thing. I'm hoping with the news that came out, I believe it was what, today, yesterday, Tony Todd being today. a Klingon today, that we'll finally get episode two of the new story arc because oh i don't know the first one's already been worn out by what six weeks now can we please get at least one more episode i've been waiting to fight the zen kathy the entire month of december and i haven't been able to fight him yet <laughs> can we fight them please we already know it's coming no we can't fight them remember this is supposed to be a thing where we don't do a whole lot of fighting remember uh, it's too late for that. We know they're using um, proto-matter weaponry, and apparently they've been battling on this planet that K-13 is orbiting since, what, the 16th century? Back when they had projectile weaponry? I mean, come on, eventually they're going to be the new bad guy. I mean, we all know it's going to happen. Exploration's going to stop for a little bit, because... The next bad Ex- guy shown up. That's the problem. Exploration never really gets going in the first place. The moment it starts, we stop it to do combat, and then we fall into a whole other war arc. It's stupid. I mean, I and that's why I liked the first episode of this new story arc. Yeah, for a lot of players, it might be boring, but it was actual exploration. They actually did a good job as far as we were exploring unknown, just not for not just for the Lucari, but since it was a sector we hadn't been in. In a way, it was exploration for the Federation, and we were seeing aliens we'd seen in Next Generation. Like I, I happened to like that. It was nice. It, there was no combat-driven anything until the very end when we found K-13. So it was about, what, 85% just doing exploration. They had, what, at least two or three of the... Um, the mini games in there that we've seen from Dilithium mining or the Romulan radiation scans, things of that nature. I liked it, but I just think that at the end of that episode, we're gearing up for combat again. Timberwolf, you said that it sounded like that you thought that we should have had the next episode by now, even though we've had the winter event, which goes on until um, Thursday the 12th. If I recall. Yeah, and and I'll defend that for the simple fact that 
for any player, the winter event, you know, you got your new, whatever the new content they add to the winter event, you get your new starship that comes out. You know, the newness is there, but after, well, at this point, we've been in the winter event for five weeks, That even that wears off. People have already started, most people have already gotten their starship just by doing the day-to-day as far as your, your day-to-day race. Or, you know, I used a little bit of lobby to get it early, but, you know, most people, even if they're doing it day-to-day, they have it by now. They've experienced the ice fishing, which, meh, hit, hit or miss for me. But they've done everything. They've saved up their materials. They've gotten the most everything they want that's new from the store. They've gotten a few old pieces. They've they're already started to move on to the older content they always rotate for, for Dilithium, for Marks. And I honestly... I honestly felt like by week four, or at the very least this past week, go ahead and do a story blog and then start getting the next mission out because by this point, the newness of the winter event, it's wearing down. We've only got about a week, week and a half. Well, actually about a week. Let's go ahead and you know start gearing up towards the next phase because we are coming up on, after this, we have, what is it, February, we have the anniversary so I think I'd want to go ahead and get at least one or two more missions in, then we can take a break for anniversary and anything else they want to do, including first contact. But something. Well, the thing is, when it comes to the holidays, is not everybody is at home to do things, and if they put a lot on, a lot of people may and do feel like they've missed out. Sorry, well, sorry, you, uh, sorry. That's why I that said argument this goes right out the window automatically because of winter event. Sorry. No, no, no. That, that's why the winter event goes right out the window because of the winter event. Because you have to log in every day and run a race. You don't have to log in every single day, and the winter event is over six weeks, and you don't have to run it every day of the six weeks. And you don't have to run. Uh, you don't have to run a new mission every day for six weeks. But you the just thing have is, to run it once. Once a week for three but, or four weeks. But My the other thing, thing that is... I was going to say is that when it comes to new content, is that's when you can get lots of things that require devs to be on hand to fix problems with the content. And it's holiday time and people aren't there. So they're not going but to release content like that. that. That goes to my point of we're past the holiday now. That's why I said, like, especially this week, we're in week five of the winter event right now, finishing it up. After the first of the year, you're out of holiday time. You've got to hit the new year running because, you know, you had a lot of people off. So they're getting back into the groove. But obviously, before everybody took vacation, y'all put stuff aside to go ahead and plan ahead so that y'all could instantly get back into the groove. Just like any other company that would take the winter time off or have a lot of people off. Hey, before you go on vacation, go ahead and lock that down so we can release it after the new year as quickly as possible. Yeah, but the first week back will be them sorting out things like finding out what problems there have been during their shutdown and making sure there are things ready to be fixed for the new content the week after. And I, I have can... never expected anything to be released until the 12th. And Well, I can understand that. If they keep waiting and they wait and they wait and then all of a sudden the winter event's over with... And then we still don't have anything. Okay, you've waited too long. You've got a dead zone. Go ahead during the last by the last week. 
go ahead and have at least story blogs coming out again. I'm going to have to agree with Timber Wolf here. Um, last year, for 10 months in a row, which included December, they were releasing missions at the rate of one mission a month, which ran for three weeks, and then there was a week space. And it's just... If they were able to do it last year during a holiday time, during a summer time as well, so a summer holiday and a winter holiday, it stands to reason that they should be able to do it this year unless there's some kind of other reason behind it, like they haven't made the missions yet for whatever reason down to... Or, here's the thing, here's the thing, right? They did all that last year and so many people bitched that there is too much to do that they couldn't have time to do it. So they can't win. (laughs) <laughs> well, the, the good thing about a, a featured episode is it's always there. So if you were to a release during the winter event, let's say they would have done it this week with a week left in the winter event, a featured episode. Okay, well, as soon as it's not featured anymore, it's still there as playable content. It's not something like The Breach, where when The Breach comes out as an event, it's there for two, three weeks. Oh, it's gone, and we don't know if it'll ever come back. And that's... That to me is, okay, well, you missed playing it at minimum Lieutenant Commander level 10, but at least it's still there at the end of the story arc. And you still don't miss out on the story because it's still there. And you don't have to watch anything out there if you don't want spoilers for people that record it, like me and, and Stu Dog. But for me, it's, it's kind of the point, and like I said, this is just my opinion. At this point, we're in a proverbial almost dead zone. Because the newness has definitely worn off for the winter event. We're in the new year. We're trying to gear up for 2017. And, you know, we're gearing up for a lot of people in their minds. They're looking forward to the anniversary. Seven-year anniversary. We've got the Lucari starship coming out. Which apparently all we're going to do is design the, the, the physical look of the ship again. Which is kind of disappointing in its own right. Because I would have loved to have more community say in the design of that starship um but people are already looking forward to that i would think at the very least at the very least have the write-ups for the story blogs maybe not the mission maybe not the mission but write-ups for story blogs because for as much content they were doing for the missions the people writing the stories they were pumping out every week I mean, they were, you know, just writing up content. And obviously, that's a lot easier to plan ahead, to write up and storyboard. So at the very least, let's go ahead, continue delving into the story. Because we've even had a dead zone for story blogs that we just read. And right now, with a story that is blog very few people, Very few people read the blogs. We already know it's this. because those blogs aren't anywhere other than online. On I know. The, on the web but page. Then, <laughs> even, even though very few people read them, it didn't stop them from a steady flow during the whole temporal war of having at least one a week. Granted, maybe 5% of the player base read it. If that. I'm just guessing on a number here. It was still a consistent pace of story. And right now, something... You know, even a story blog or hey, coming soon, you know, new features or whatnot. Maybe they do a micro blog about what's coming in 12.5, and it's a lot of coming soon and cryptic, no pun intended, info. But like I said, it's just we're in a dead zone right now to me. We've had the winter event for five weeks. 
we've had nothing else in any kind of real blogs as far as stories other than winter sales and discounts. It would be nice for this week if they had released even a story blog, regardless of whether they're coming off of a holiday or not. Someone has a zip drive at their desk they could plug up with a two-page story blog about K-13 because they have to plan those in advance so that whoever the community manager is that's putting it, that's posting it, can simply upload it to their document feed and then upload it to the forums. It doesn't have to be anything big. thing is, for me, I've actually liked that there's been nothing going on. It's actually given me a chance to actually play the game. Over the holidays, especially these last couple of weeks, I have actually played Stowe probably more than I have done all year because the rest of the year I haven't had the time to, but I've actually been going through leveling up my other Delta recruits. So I've actually gone through all the missions on the um, to get all the rewards for my Delta recruit on my triples and xc um fleet um character um got that one to level 55 and i've started on um my romulan to get the delta rewards for that one thing is this yeah, but is let's let's be honest here you've also been the one to say in our chat this is the most time you've ever spent playing timelines for the whole year too <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but the thing is i've actually thing is with timelines they have a little event every week there's nothing, the events are basically the same thing. There's nothing new there. But while I've been playing Stowe, and because especially when you're in the lower levels, you've got time where you're flying around in sector space, I've just been doing little bits in timelines. Then I'll play the mission, then I'll go back to timelines while I wait for the traveling and things. So, but yeah, for Stowe, I've actually had time to actually just enjoy sort of leveling up my characters which i'm gonna I, go on that's all right that's basically finished i was gonna say i'm i'm in exactly the same boat as you mate to be honest midnight um you know obviously i switched started playing on the console it's pretty much a fresh start um in terms of character wise and uh yeah you know it helped having the bonus xp for a month you know we all know the gimmick behind that etc etc but coming back to the pc i just I got that little sense of overwhelming because of the amount of content that was there. I just, and you know, and they, and as soon as you log in, you have to sort of like change all your settings back. And, you know, they was chucking like mission after mission, go here, go there, pick up this person there. And, you know, I just, I basically didn't know which way to go until I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm used to this character. You know, let's start small. Let's start on this mission over here, and then okay, right. So it links, and I, it links to another mission. You know, so like you, I'm quite happy that there's not a lot of content out at the moment. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that when it comes to February time, you know, the anniversary, you know, it would probably be something like another ship or like like what uh, Timberwolf said just a minute ago, um, but. I don't know, like I don't really count the winter event. I mean, it is part of STO, but it's it, it's not really like content based. It's not really linked to anything. It's like an addition, if you like. So like a, a gap stopper. That's kind of how I see it, really. Um, and same as when it comes to the summer, when they do the, the summer events as well. 
Um, I don't really see them as like, I just kind of see them as like a gap stopper so that they can reset themselves or cover gaps for when new topics come out. It's like um, an optional hobby rather than a mission or content. Maybe some people have absolutely no interest whatsoever and won't bother playing it. So for them, they would do something else. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I think... I'm, I'm, I'm the same as Midnight, man. Um, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the fact that I can kind of find my feet again at the moment and just kind of get back into it slowly. Well, it goes to goes to my point. Would it hurt you leveling these tunes and getting into and getting into these new characters or leveling up old ones if a story blog was released? And the answer would have to be no. You're just oh, I took about five minutes of my time. I read the story blog. Cool. Ah, but as you say that, I only just read all of the last um, blogs that came out um, just in the last couple of hours. You've been playing Stowe and not reading Midnight. You've been too busy playing Stowe and then doing timelines while you're playing Stowe and just, just you're, you've been too busy doing everything else except reading the blog. I mean, for me, I read the blogs on my, on my lunch break. I can pop them up on my phone, I'm eating lunch at work and, oh, alright, ooh, that's nice. That's a nice little edge to that story. And my whole thing for that is it's just I know they plan those ahead. Those are written in advance because then they have to go through an editor to make sure that it's grammatically correct and, you know, all the punctuations in the right spots and everything, and then it matches up. So they've already got it sitting there. I'd be willing to bet if a story blog comes out next week, it's been on someone's thumb drive since before Christmas. And Timberwolf's boss, if you're listening, no, he doesn't Skype at work. He doesn't sit and read computer oh, gaming dude, blogs. Oh, dude, I can't get out of Does the area. <laughs> uh-uh. There's no way. I just I have to do it at lunch. Hell, I barely got one today. I'm I'm just saying, even if it's just something as simple as a story blog that takes two minutes to read, for I'm me, not- it would break up the monotony of just okay. Playing the game, I'm catching up on old characters. Oh, ooh, something new I can read real quick. All right, cool. I'm back to leveling but my character. We're rehashing the same argument. You expect Cryptic to be, oh, I don't know, good at something, and they're not. <laughs> they're not. The only dependable thing from Cryptic is constant disappointment. Just like, just lower those expectations to nothing and you know exactly what's going on because I know exactly what's going on. The whole thing is they're drawing all of this crap out to the anniversary because they planned the second episode to be the anniversary episode and then they went, oh shit, the winter event isn't going to cover all of this. Oh boy. Well, we can extend it by a couple of weeks and then claim that as whatever the hell we want to do. Right? Right? Well, Bingo. they haven't extended the winter event. It's run for the same amount of time it usually does. Now, who's to say that on the 12th, we don't get the second episode then, which then runs for three weeks in time for the um, whatever they've got for the anniversary event, which might even be the next episode after that. I'm going with Sun's Fury on this. Uh, I mean, I remember when. No, you, yeah, um, you don't be optimistic about it because no, that's, no, no, this, no. Is, this is this is what they've done time and time again. 
have one in November, or they they have they have a major update in at the fall fall just before Christmas, and usually comes with a story episode. Then there is almost absolutely nothing all of the winter event. I mean, I, I remember when uh, Stove first came out, and uh, Cryptic put uh, like a calendar up of kind of like, or they did various blogs and stuff about what they was going to be uh, doing in like the various seasons coming forward so you had like six months worth of planning now someone somewhere in uh someone somewhere with their whiteboard and their marker has clearly planned out what they're going to do and when they're going to do it but then like you said son you know they've gone oh wait we've, we've got a gap here what we what we're going to fill it with you know let's let's chuck a a sailing or let's chuck you know maybe 20% off some keys or something, you know? Or uh, what could the next lockbox be? So, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy what they come up with. I mean, just, I'm honestly hopeful. Yeah, we're waiting until next week, and as soon as the winter event ends, we have a mission. But the telltale sign of that's going to be if Monday or Tuesday we have a, a story blog, because they always do some kind of story blog slash next episode coming. You know, but pretty much the Monday or Tuesday beforehand, where they're also talking about the weekly reward. The first weekly reward of our featured episode is such and such, and it's part of this three-piece set. If for some reason we don't get that next week, then obviously we're not going to get a mission, and then you've got Dead Space. The thing is, is things could have also been delayed because we've got sort of Tony Todd joining and if you listen to the blog that came out today with the interview, um, he talks about his brother, as in Worf, from the character side of things, which makes me think that we may have um, sort of Michael Dorn returning. Now, if, say, this had been arranged, but because of things happening over the winter or illness or something like that, stopped them from getting things put together, such as audio then that could be reasons for delay. So things that had been planned had been put on hold because things have had to be pushed back. That's all right. Wolf needs to get off Kronos anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a third theory. I don't know if you're going to like it, but basically, screw you, PC people. We're concentrating on consoles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is entirely possible that instead of anything for PC on the 12th, they plan on, you know, a, another basically micro-expansion for consoles to bring them closer to par with PC as far as giving them the missions they're missing um, and the content and all that and just further getting them up to the level playing field. That could, that could the, be. Excuse the interruption and the, and the whining complaint slash comeback to that, but... But I thought there were separate teams working on the console at Cryptic. It shouldn't be the PC dev people working solely on the console, should it? Cryptic is supposed to be a small company, and they have this new other group that's supposed to be working on console, right? No, it is whiny. <laughs> no, it's the same <laughs> team, and they've just split some of the team up to work on the console updates. But it's the same team that's working on it. But that's one of the reasons for not as much content being released. It's because they've been working on all the um, lighting updates and all the other stuff for the consoles. Which it showed with the foundry. 
because the foundry took how many months to come back considering the smaller staff on it so yeah I mean, it's a sad state considering what you compare it to for last last year. Stewdog was saying with content releases, if that's the trend, we're going to a much slower content release, and it's the calendar is now split between PC and console. So, you know, we're going to hypothetically one featured episode every two and a half months on PC because. They have to shift back to console to give them featured stuff and all that. It'll, it'll is, make the game a severe drag on content because people will just be starving for content. Well, the thing is, this would only be while they get console caught up. thing is, yes, console will always lag behind purely just the way that the updates will work. But once they've caught up that the main content is actually out there, then things will pick up because it's they're not trying to introduce what is already existing on PC into the console. So once they sort of hit that level, things are going to be a lot easier because then it's the new content's released on PC, then they work on the bit the update, but it's basically level pegging. But, but they're not at that stage that yet. Release schedule though. I mean, we're still waiting on agents of yesterday to hit console yeah well that's what i'm saying they're they're at the moment trying to get everything caught up on consoles so yes Which during they this will never do but i'm talking no I'm but as i said still, it's never if we're still waiting on agency yesterday for console who's to say that hasn't been storyboarded and calendarized until december of this year or sometime next year because of complications with consoles so they're going to micro-update with things. I mean, you know, we could see them get caught up in a month. We could see them get caught up in two years. It all depends on how the small staff that is working on console is able to get everything updated and pushed through. And in that meantime, it also slows down PC content. That's all I'm saying is we, we don't know what their release content is to, to finally catch them up, and it could take years depending on how big of a staff they've even be able to expand with the new revenue from PC and console coming in from two consoles. If they have additional revenue, they can hire more people. It won't take as long. If the revenue is less than what they thought and it's going to take longer, that's a longer drag on catching up console where our new esteemed colleague is playing and then it takes longer for him to get caught up to where we are, and that slows down PC as well. It's all going to depend on how they've got it on the calendar of trying to release it, barring anything that goes wrong. Because I mean, they had a huge headache just getting console to work in the beginning. Well, that's that's the question, isn't it? Like you said, um, you know, can they get the content that's on the PC? to work on the console i mean when when i switched over to when i started playing it on the console um i, I was a skeptic I, I ain't gonna lie i did i didn't think that the controls were gonna work properly and you know it was just gonna be silly basically um it wasn't until that i actually got into it that you know you, you learn you learn the controls so it wasn't as bad as what i thought it would be um in terms of like content and that you know i agree i agree with what some of you have said in terms of uh you know 
we're, we're playing catch up at the moment. There's no, there's no question about it. We've got like, we've got like a tree with no leaves, you know. Um, yeah, we've got the main story arcs, and then obviously you've got the the fleets because they wanted to obviously bring communities together, and and uh, you know you've got the reputation systems and things like that. But like you said, Agents of Yesterday's not on there. I don't even think. I mean, the the, the latest temporal stuff. I don't think is on there yet. Um, mm-hmm. You know. And I heard from somewhere um, that the, the PC, that the console version is actually got only about 30% of what's on the PC. Um, and, you know, it all, it, like you said, there's too many, there's too many what ifs, you know, what if the system doesn't work? What if, you know, there's a small team, the revenues, I mean, look, look how quickly they brought out the, the lifetime subs and the game had only just come out on the console. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at if we were to just go by lifespan due to lockboxes. Now, obviously, they showed on the consoles what they're going to do to help play catch up. Every th- three months, they're going to take two lockboxes from P- from PC, combine them into one, and release them in that fashion with T6 versions of the original T5s. They first did it with the Cardassian Dominion. I believe the next two up on the list would be Talshiar and Elanchi. So the next lockbox is going to hit consoles is going to be a mixture of those two with tier six options. But they already have a set release timer for lockboxes. It's every three months, give or take a couple of weeks. So See, even, even combining those lockboxes, you're still to catch up to where we are lockbox-wise on PC that's a little ways away unless they want to speed up that content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying and I understand. Um, it's, I, don't, I think the, the, the content will probably come out a lot more chunkier for consoles, like you said, to play catch-up. Uh, I think giving it the next year, maybe year and a half, we will be trying to play catch-up. And I'm sure, like, I'm, I've no doubt in my mind that Perfect World and Cryptic obviously want us to be on the same playing field as as the PC version in terms of the same content. So when it comes to the anniversary, for instance, they could just upload the content at the same time. Whether you know it takes a lot of time to do and a separate team to transfer it or to even just produce it, you know, like have one piece of paper and then transfer it onto the console as well as the PC at the same time. Whether that's quite a time-consuming process and that, you know, I don't know, but. Yeah, we're definitely playing catch-up. Because we, we still don't even know what they're going to do for their first anniversary. Because obviously we have a PC anniversary coming up, I believe at the end of next month, February. But that's yeah. not going to be the console anniversary. The console anniversary is in the fall. So you know, Yeah, but the anniversary in- event is to do with the launch of the game. So yeah, whether or not they would have a separate... They already said they would. Oh, have they? Yeah, they said this is something we were asking them in Vegas, is, you know, we can't, you know, have an anniversary for Star Trek Online on console, and it's only been out for three weeks. They're actually treating the PC launch of STO and the console launch of STO as two different anniversary dates. So what we're looking at coming up is the PC launch anniversary... And then in the fall, when the console, you know, their one year comes up, that's a separate anniversary because that's actually their one year anniversary since it was officially launched on PS4 and Xbox One. 
we don't know what the first anniversary ship's going to be or content's going to be for consoles. And they have six years to catch up on that as far as it, well, closest, not six and a half, just to catch up on that. Um, they could combine it. They could find ways to combine it because with what consoles have now, for example, they have access to the um, the Dyson Sphere. And that was part of one of the anniversaries because we got the Dyson Science Destroyer. So that's what I'm saying. It's going to be interesting how they play catch up with this to catch us up eventually to PC because there is quite a bit that took years to do and they're trying to consolidate it down. I think that's one of the reasons why we had the Phoenix box come out. It's one way that they can consolidate everything down potentially for console players as well. And still, if they miss something in the future, they can get it. They have another chance to get it. I, I think like that's Phoenix. one reason why it came out. I do, I, I do want to point out, though, that this argument and discussion that we're having over console versus PC is something I quite specifically asked Steven Ricosa. I asked him, do you think that now that you guys are going to PC that you're going to wind up having to split dev time between console and the PC version? You know what he said? No, because there was a completely different team working on console. So somebody's got to be lying. No, but they split people off from the PC team to become working on the console. So people have been taken away from the PC to work on console. So then he still lied, because he divided the PC team to make a console team. Yeah, I thought working on the consoles, you have to be quite specific, you know, because the, the engines, like the Unreal Engine, for instance, and things like that, you know, is quite specific. Well, that's what I'm hoping with all this new revenue source. I mean, I'm not privy to those numbers. I don't think any of you are as far as their revenue from consoles, but I'm hoping that between all the sales that they've had on PC and consoles and just in general revenue on consoles, it's been enough to justify hiring additional members to their console you know, catch-up team or whatever they want to call it, their console content team, so that maybe a few of their PC guys and gals can go back to working on just PC instead of, oh, well, we need a little bit more help on console this week, so you and you, let's switch you over real quick. And, you know, trying to, while dividing it, if they need a little bit help on one or the other, they're moving people back and forth like a chess game. This I'm hoping the revenue... What happened. I'm just that, hoping that, the revenue is enough where they can hire additional people. I have to say, Timber, that discussion right there reminds me exactly why uh, CCP had to let go of the World of Darkness license. Because the people who were working on World of Darkness kept getting shuffled straight into EVE Online. And guess what happened? Nobody was developing the game anymore! <laughs> well, that's what I say. I'm hoping that there's enough revenue they can hire additional people. And then this becomes a moot point because now you've got plenty of people keeping up a regular good schedule for PC. And you have a good content team that's keeping up with console, catching them up. And you're not having limited resources on both sides that are both chugging away very slowly because there's such limited resources and personnel. The thing so is, I'm hoping they're trying to need, work that out. The thing is, you just need to have a look at their openings on the Cryptic's website. They are looking for 
um, designers, artists, programmers, they are looking for more people. So they are looking to employ more people to deal with this load. Where do I sign? <laughs> hey, you just signed with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on a, on a serious note, like, I... I he can do both. It's not like I remembered, like, the people who, 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 who were over at P1, like, being on on the cryptic dev team while they were still at P1. Well, I'll, I'll turn up at Timberwolf's house and say hello through the mic when I when I start my new job. There you go. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I would have thought that they would have had the team. Like, I know what Timberwolf was saying in terms of getting the revenue in, and, and that's important. And obviously, I'm assuming, like, not going into too much detail, but I'm assuming that the, the PC revenue would prop up the console revenue until it self-generates. But I would have thought they would have had a team of people, or at least the PC people, trained to use the same programs to make the content for the consoles. Hence, how they introduced a big chunk um, of the game when it first came out. And hence why it was able to be free to play straight on a console. I know, I know, it was a, a sales tactic to get people to play, but like you said, it was still quite a huge content, you know, with both Federation and Klingon. Um, the last point I was going to make was that I agree. I think the content is going to be it's going to come out in drips and drabs, um, and like you said, doubled up to obviously play catch up. But when you're talking about like a big a, a big chunk like the when the um, expansion pack came out for um the delta quadrant um and you had all them delta missions you know that 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 was a massive chunk right there and for the console i just i can't see that coming out too quickly i mean it, may, it might take six months it might take it i'm it might take a year which is kind of where i'm going with the bet but yeah i can't i can't see that a massive chunk like that coming out too quickly Hell, that brings up an interesting point since you said the Delta, the Delta Quadrant and everything. They've talked about Agency Yesterday and your Agency Yesterday characters and all that we saw on PC. They have not mentioned the Delta recruitment because there's certain um, devices and Starship traits that you're able to get during that event that without that event you can never have access to because they've never employed another way to do it. So we, one would hope they'd also be doing a Delta recruitment at some point, trying to finagle a way to do it so you'd have 100% access to whatever's on the PC eventually without yeah. missing it. So not only are we looking at if they're trying to do a one-to-one, -one, you're looking at a Delta recruitment and an Agency Yesterday recruitment. Well, well for, for starters... Everybody in this discussion needs to put out of their mind the one-to-one -one argument in the first place. That's never going to happen. At this point, the the game itself, the way that the game is going to go for console, is going to have it's going to have to have its own story timeline, and it's going to have to center around when stuff gets certified and released for consoles no ifs ands or buts about it what that's just how the that's just how that con that's just how the console stuff works um if you if any if anybody's ever played the game warframe which War, warframe is a free-to-play game on the pc and the consoles yeah i heard that their, 
they have their have their own timeline uh, uh, and story content and all this kind of stuff for this MMO as well. And what usually happens is, and yeah, they've gotten the game pretty much one-to-one, a near one-to-one, so that they're only a month or so behind the PC. But at the same time, they they started with a really small amount of content and then built into their story content, so it was kind of already there from the get-go. But at the same time, what's going on with them over there is they release whatever content they have to the PC first. It allows the dev team there, which is a small team, you know, kind of unlike Cryptic, which seems a lot more massive than the dev team over at Digital Extremes. But that aside, the it allows the dev team to work out any initial bugs, any uh, any things that need to be uh, managed, and then then th- when those bugs are fixed, they then ship it to Microsoft and PlayStation and Sony for certification for those console releases. And then if more bugs crop up on the console versions, then there are dev teams that are sm- specifically for fixing console errors. Yeah, but I mean, surely, you know, Perfect World and Cryptic must have a quickish process to do that. Because I'm not being funny, but they've they've not it's it's not like they've got one game on there, is it? They've got two, which is Neverwinter as well, you know. So that's a, that's a lot of content, obviously, across the two games. Um, going back to obviously Star Trek Online, yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, I, I, like I said to you, I I purely think that they want to be on a one to one basis at some point. The question is when and how, you know. I'm I'm pretty sure that when they do a sale on the PC that they want to put it on the console as well or you know when a, a new event comes out they want to switch it to both cuz it just make it just makes easy practice. Well not just that but then you've got console players. But I want that now too. Is that why enough son? Well, yeah. let, me, <laughs> <laughs> let let me throw another spanner in the works then. I mean this this could be just purely me but PvP on the console. Oh dear God! <laughs> I think that's all that needs to be said about that. <laughs> the, uh, I will say, and I've played, I've played console some. I have a PS4. I uploaded it. I haven't played it in a while because you know trying to keep up with like five games right now for YouTube. But I can honestly see as far as the controls. PvP would be more fun. That's just that's just my opinion for it. Not just for the starship combat, but also the ground combat. To me, it would seem more fun having PvP on the consoles versus PC. Plus, you know, you've got a lot more people that do first-person shooters and combat games like that, as far as player versus player on a console, typically. Because, I mean, that's a lot of the stuff that's come out like Battlefield and Call of Duty and Doom and Wolf, you know, all these, all these different shooter games. When you're looking at Star Trek online, you've got a shooter mode. You could get a lot of people involved in that player versus player, especially if you have a PVP stats board, that'd be the big thing. You have a stats board console players would be all about it for the simple fact. Let me improve my stats. And I could see wait, it wait, wait, on wait, 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 wait! I got up to go get a drink, and I come back. Am I hearing you right? Are you arguing for PvP overhaul? 
something you know is never going to happen. I'm not arguing for PvP overhaul. I'm simply saying that I could see PvP doing better on consoles than it has on PC. Yeah, I have to agree. Especially if there's a leaderboard for statistics about your kill-death ratios, your damage, your healing, like you would see on any first-person shooter or any other uh, PvP game that's out there, like Overwatch. If you had something like a stats board, console would eat it up, because they do for any other PvP game out there. The thing is, PvP has never been taken off the list. It's always been something they want to redo. Now not they're all actually of them. No, not, not all, all of them. But <laughs> Spartan detests PvP. Let me make that clear because yeah. I know Spartan might be listening. Spartan <laughs> detests PvP and if it was up to Spartan, we wouldn't have it. He'd take it out of the game. <laughs> but it's always it's always been on the to-do list of something to redo. Now they're actually on console where PvP is such a big thing that might actually help with the PvP players because it is sort of something that they would then think about adding because they add it to the PC that then ports over to the console. They then get more people attracted to it. Uh, and that's that's kind of, I guess, where me and, and um, Geese were going here is just the the pvp market is a lot stronger on consoles right now it's there on pc because the games are offered also offered on pc but it's a hell of a lot stronger on the xbox one and playstation 4 just because of marketing with all the other games out there and you're absolutely right midnight if it was marketed right on console and they worked it out for console you'd be easily modified for pc the only thing is there would have to be there'd have to be a balancing when it comes to PvP. There'd have to be separate balancing that Cryptid would have to enforce through coding. Okay, well your ship can do amazing craziness in infected space advanced or in this crystalline or in this mission. But when we go to PvP, everything's got a normalized cap level and you know all of that so that you wouldn't have one-ended fights. It would be more about skill. Because that's been the big thing anyway for PvP when you're looking at the console games. There is a balance when it comes to it. Where, you know, there's not all the game all the, the weapons have their ups and downs and there's certain favorites among all of them. But there's not that one gun that everybody goes for in Call of Duty. There's not that one sword or that one character in Overwatch that everybody uses because it's got that one shot. They've got it like a balancing. And I think that's probably the big reason why they haven't done a PvP overhaul at all is because they'd have to institute a balancing separate from PvE content to make it fair for all players. Otherwise, you're going to see the players that just do high-end damage output and they'll just smoke through everything and you'll kill PvP again. That's, that's That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean that's that's just too hard to do now on on the the PC to kind of try and balance it all out. I mean, I, I remember when I mean I, I sound really old now, and I'm not even I'm not even that old, but um, I remember when the bug shit first came out, and there was like I heard complaints from pretty much most people that the bug shit was the PvP ship to be, you know? Yeah. Now transfer, I mean transfer that to the console, and yeah, I mean 
I completely agree with what you say, Timber. It's Timberwolf, sorry. It's all about getting a balance right. And I think that on the console, getting a balance is easy. I mean, like you said, you've seen it on various other games like Call of Duty, you know, um, Battlefield, uh, you know, Warframe. That, um, Overwatch. Just, I mentioned there, Overwatch, yeah. Overwatch. Right now is the biggest one. Exactly. And, you know, if, if you can get the balance right, then they're onto a winner. You know, the question is how how popular would it be on a console? It's it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, and that like I said, that's probably why the big reason they're avoiding it altogether is they'd have to institute a balance that would be more than likely separate from player versus environment content because you don't yeah. want to have a a cap on performance it, when you're fighting the environment. You're doing these cues and advanced cues. You want to be able to ha- let people, you know. Bugs notwithstanding and broken mechanics notwithstanding, if they're you, know, you do find them, if they can spike up high on their damage or they can make themselves unkillable to the environment, that's cool. But then you'd have to have a separate set of coding rules for PvP when it comes to this game to balance it out. So you don't have just, well, if you want to do PvP, you have to use that one ship with this one weapon, and that's the only thing that's going to ever work, period, because there's no balance. And I think just for that, they would need their own separate team and, you know, a good long while of figuring out that balance before they can institute it. Whereas console, they're putting it together piece by piece. They could institute that separate balance as they're building it and then test it out and see what happens. And it might have a better chance of actually living longer on console than it ever did on PC. And that's just a long shot thought that they'd even think about that. For all we know, they're not even thinking about PvP at all. But in the remote hope that they are, it could be a revenue stream for them. Timber, mate, me and you have just got the same brain because that's pretty <laughs> much exactly what I was thinking. You know, with 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 the content catch up that they're doing, I don't. I mean, maybe they've got PvP in the pipeline, but I can't see it coming out anytime soon. You know. Indeed. So yeah, I mean. <sighs> Good luck. Good luck when it does come out. Like you said, I, I, I've got a feeling it'll be a good revenue stream. I've got a feeling it will take off, only because of the the simple connectivity of it. You know, would will it work with the controls as it is in game? Possibly, but it's like you said, it's all about the balancing. Yeah, and I mean, we look at some of these games. Some of these games, that's how they live for so long. Call of Duty. I'll use that as my big example. Infinite Warfare just came out. Even if you're a casual gamer, the campaign, the story that they write for that, it's not going to last you but a week or two. You play through it, you play through the campaign, okay, you're done. You're going for trophies, that might take a while. Where that game gets its longevity until the next installment comes out, which is every November at this point, for it to get that, that far, it's the multiplayer aspect. It's the player versus player in multiplayer and now it's the zombies mode because everybody's latching onto zombies. But it's that PvP or never-ending cycle of just how far can you go that's actually keeping them alive. And if they were in the long term, because obviously it's going to be a long term, if they were to invest in that, that would help revenue because some people would just jump on, jump to level 60, get what they felt is the best gear, and that's all they do all day long is PvP on ground or space. If you gave them right now one of the big things, 
the past few years, like I said with zombies, the simple mechanic of round one, okay, round two is plus five defense, plus five attack. Round two is plus seven percent, seven attack, seven defense. And it's just how far can you go? Introducing that kind of a mechanic in, oh, I don't know, sun's going to taste the sarcasm in my voice, no win scenario. Mm-hmm. There's something else that people would strive for. How far did you get no win scenario? How far did you get fighting through this Borg system that quote unquote never ends because it gets harder? Some people just play Call of Duty for that particular content. And it's a revenue stream for them because they buy the $15 expansion packs or the season pass just for the survival content or just for the multiplayer content for the PvP. And yeah, long I mean, term, I'm hoping that something they are looking at with all the other games is, well, maybe if we can get it right in the next year or two while working on our normal stuff, that can add to what we can offer the players, and that will definitely invite more players in. It's going to entice them more. See, the only, any, the only criticism I've got with that is that, obviously, I know we're talking about Call of Duty, but it's kind of like where I would want to see STO go in terms of, like you said, longativity and things like that. I kind of felt with the with the latest Call of Duty that it the point that I'm trying to make is that it wasn't it wasn't about the campaign anymore. The campaign had, had worn out and it was more about, like you said, about the zombies and about the multiplayer. And you know, in terms of season passes, you know, you can't you can't play all the game without getting the additional maps or without the additional content. Now if Star Trek Online went that way and uh, they introduced obviously I don't think they'd ever ever introduced a season pass because of the way the game is but if they introduced ways for like new new content to be added to the PvP and you know and I don't know maybe start selling dilithium and things like that would the longevity be there and then take it away from the PvE or could they manage to find a balance between the PvP content and the PvE content to keep it fresh, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was it was something they did. I'll use a newer example, Doom, the newer Doom that came out. They did something similar. Now, the one thing they haven't done is their single-player campaign, which is what everybody's been asking for. But they split up their content for their their um, DLCs between multiplayer and Snap Map, which is basically their version of Foundry. Now I know we get updates a lot more often on Foundry, including fixes, with the exception of the lighting, because that took a while for it to finally work over. But it could work. You know, you could add in new things like that. It all depends on what they're seeing for their metrics as far as what people are playing and what kind of notes they're taking from other games. I mean, there's pure multiplayer PvP games out there like World of Warships and World of Tanks and Overwatch. They're doing phenomenal because that's all it is. There are pure survival games out there. Hell, there's horror games out there right now that their only premise is, oh, we're at Five Nights at Freddy's. Look at where that franchise went off of those kind of mechanics. It just depends on, to me, what they're getting from other games and they're trying to mesh in over the next few years because one would assume they're working for the long term to keep it going because, you know, revenue and all that and it's Star Trek and yay. Um, 
what are they gathering that they can add in to increase that revenue, to cr- increase the intrigue in the game that would not only keep us old players in, but bring in new ones. Oh, they added that particular, oh, I like that in the other game. Let me try this over here now with the Star Trek flair. Um, it's all going to depend on what they're getting from the gaming market, I mean, from what I'm seeing. And in the long term, and long term, I'm thinking five years, because it probably would take that long to get the crew together and the revamp, a survival-based game mode, similar to no-win scenario meets a round version as far as how many rounds can you go before your team expo- you know, dies, or a, a PvP revamp, or maybe an exploration mode where that's all you're doing. You're exploring, as you're exploring, you're unlocking sector maps, but you have to explore it first. And that's its own little micro expansion to the game. Oh, you want to get to this new content? Well, first you have to do exploration to that point and actually explore the content. And that's an upgrade to the system. Long term, it might take years before we see that. I'm just hoping it's on the storyboard. Because it to me, those kind of upgrades could make revenue for them, not just on PC, but on consoles. See, they did that with the Foundry, didn't they? I remember when they mm-hmm. had the, the farming thing going on where uh, you pretty much leave your ship as it was, just press your weapons button and away you go, you know, to get obviously to get the, the gear to then sell it to then make uh, EC. But the point I was, the point I was going to make was that they had that in a, like a wave style system. Going back to what you said about the survival mode, you know, that's, I, I personally think that's possible. You know, like you said, you could have like survival missions, you know, that would work in a similar way to the uh, queues, you know, the rep, the queues to get the fleet, that the queues to get the mar- the various marks and things like that. But uh, see, I look at the foundry the same way as I look at the Call of Duty Zombies. It's, it's nice and it's there. But it just doesn't interest me, yeah? But I know that there's players out there that will spend hours making missions and making stories and feeling part of the game, and that's great. And I'm guessing that that's what Cryptic and Perfect World are kind of banking on as their third option. You know, you've got the PvE, then you've got the PvP, and then you've got the Foundry where people continuously want to make missions and make stories and obviously, because now the PvP's died for the PC, you know, it's kind of only really the PvE and the Foundry that keeps the game fresh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that the Foundry will actually take off as well as what it would on the PC. So I think on the console, it'd be more a case of PvP or PvE. Well, they, they, answered, they answered the question of Foundry, because I, I asked Rokosa that. And he said the Foundry will not work on console because it has to deal with micro downloads. So what's going to end up probably happening in the future is they're going to take a couple of the top reviewed Foundry missions. um, And every so often they're going to add them into console as kind of like featured missions. But then that was something that Maria Rosso said that they weren't too keen on separating missions out of the foundry to put them somewhere else because they didn't have a way of rewarding the authors of the the missions 
Yeah, I, I mean, it brought on its own complications, but it would be nice to see that because that's a mechanic that could be on both console and PC. Reward these guys that do actually put in the time of the foundry. They make these phenomenal missions. Okay, now it's a featured mission, and you know it's on console and PC. And hey, perfect opportunity that if you play these foundry missions, we're going to bring back an old mechanic we used to do a couple of years ago that I remember, and I know some people on the panel remember. We'll give you a lobby if you finish it. Oh, <gasps> money. So, um. I, I kind of want to point out we spent an hour talking about PC versus console in the news segment and not actually covered any sort of news. PC versus Wait, what, what news? There's <laughs> plenty of news. Oh. Timber, uh, news. I didn't do it. Isn't that, isn't that a, a band, uh, Huey Lewis, in the news? Yeah, I think so. Well, one of the things that started all this off was to do with actual events. So, um... I think yeah, what started this it. off what started this off was the introduction to geese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, what started us off was Timber stealing my soapbox. Hey, you said I could use it whenever I needed hey, it. Hey, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry, here's a soapbox back. Well <laughs> It's not clean. <laughs> I never said it was I'm clean. Going to, I'm going to have to use it in a minute anyway, so well, for those of you who have still got to get the ship, the Winter Wonderland ends this Thursday, January 12th, at 10am Pacific time, if I recall. No! So, so, yeah, you've only got a few days left to get your last tokens. So, um, I'm only, I think, I'm about 80 tokens away for having enough of the EPO tags for next year. Epos! Epos! Hot and fresh Epos! Um, I, so, still, yeah. I still want them to have a winter event version of the the birds. Because, yeah, the, the summer event, we have two versions of, of getting marks. You've got the monkeys that you do the power board race for, which is a lot similar to what you do running for the Epo tags in the winter event. Now we need a winter one for, like, getting eggs to hatch into something. Like we do the birds. Because I'm tired of n coming in last place and having to run the damn thing, like, five and six different times to get enough to, to, to set off one of those missions. Well, I, suppose I they... stopped running the race. I suppose they could always do something where you can use your um, booster packs is to have a sort of race, but where it's through like a blizzard um, there is wintry use of mechanics that they already have. Hey, that's a pretty cool idea. Well, I think everyone who takes part in a race should get at least one mark, surely, or one tag. Well, well you, you, do. you do. Yeah, as, if as you, finish, you, you, finish you finish, you get two. You get you get some tags. Yeah, but you get two tags like... for just participating. But if ah. you're first, you get twelve. If you're second, you get six. And if you're third, you get three. And then every other position gets two. 
And doesn't it take six tags to do Yeah, it, t- one- it takes six tags to send one off. So if you're coming in, if you're not even, like, placing within the top three, you're, you're, it's going to take over an hour, over an hour at this point, to, to get one of those. You literally would have to stay in the game over an hour, so you ran the first two races, and then rated, would, waited for a third race to come around just to set off that it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, sure, it's marks, but it's not worth it. Is what I think they could do is to run the race three times in an hour, but at random intervals where um, what it is, is it just gets announced on the page. There's no sort of timer, so people can't just wait. And it's at times that also other events are going on. So that way you get up there and you can have a chance to win six tags even if you came in last every single time within the hour or you could just you know entirely remove the 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 snow conian thing because you know that's something we've talked about nobody playing see i was a naughty boy this year i actually boycotted the winter event shame on me (laughs) hey you don't look look i did that i did that a year ago with the Ferengi, over a year ago with the Ferengi starship, it's like, there's no point in me playing the, the summer event. It's not a ship I want. And here's Midnight going, but but there's the possibility in the, no, there's, there's no, if I want a Ferengi ship, I want a Decora. And the Decora comes in a lockbox. And I'm not going to be able to get the Decora until, you know, that I, I have the mythical millions of EC to buy it. And that's the ship I want. I don't want some escort thingy yeah i know exactly (laughs) what you mean well as we said you've got till thursday to play and from thursday you've also got hearts and minds that return for the weekend so um yeah from thursday friday saturday and sunday um you can play the friday 13th mission that's another dr sabak for the collection um, I must admit, the last several of these, I just haven't had time to play, so you never know, might get a chance this year. But then saying that, that weekend, I really need to get my tax return done. So, probably won't. <laughs> um, and then the week after that, um, this is for the PC, um, by the way, um, Hearts and Minds, I don't think is listed for the console as yet. Um Bonus Experience Weekend is the 19th to the 23rd of January, and then we're due to have the 7th year anniversary event for the 2nd of Feb. For the console, um, we've just finished, I believe, the Tholian Red Alert Weekend. Um, Yep. And... This coming weekend, we've got um, Bonus Marks Weekend. And next weekend, so the 19th to 23rd, that's Research and Development Weekend. And then the weekend after that, you're back to the Tholian Red Alert Weekend. See, this is exactly what I mean. On the con- on the PC version, you know, you've got the Tholian Red Alerts and the Borg Red Alerts literally coming from everywhere. You only have to warp into a zone and you've got like a red alert button. Whereas, <laughs> whereas the consoles, we have to wait 
to have a whole weekend just to try and take down some Borg. Shocking. That might be to do with mechanics and what yeah, possibly. can be done with regards to those sorts of events. So that might not be something that uh, they're just trying to do this f- to get people in. Um, yeah, unfortunately, well, we don't they, really well, it, know. It falls back to that argument of trying to get it one-to-one. And I'm sorry, you're t- it's not going to happen. Yeah, you're yeah, and they, all these events where you're you're pumping out all of the old stuff that PCs already had for the console players. Okay, at some point, running those things every week, you're going to run out of those events. Well, once they add in all the different events, if they had a different one every weekend or every other weekend, there's a lot of stuff to get console players back in game if the mechanics don't work the way it does on the PC. And yes, they're never going to have it on a one-to-one sort of level, but they are going to have it as much as they can because it is just the one game. And the one thing they have said is they want to keep it as the one game. They're not going to have different storylines on the different platforms. So, but yeah, there are going to be certain things like the Foundry and sort of maybe other things as well which just can't simply be done. Um, and they've got to do it in a slightly different way. But um, for console, it's still actually early days. So we'll, we'll just sort of see how that goes. Yeah, definitely. So some of the other news that came out over Christmas um, was the fact that the 3D ship model program has actually been cancelled um, the manufacturer oh, closed their doors. <laughs> I heard. The, the worst part is we were having this discussion like 24 hours before this news came out. It's like, <laughs> has there been like any sort of information about this? Th- oh, look at that. Damn. <laughs> it's, to me, this was one of the big letdowns because they were hyping... They were hinting at this in Vegas, and then when they went to, I believe it was New York, they debuted it. And this cre- this particular 3D printing caused so much hype in the community for one reason, Space Barbie. For yeah. years now, people, especially when they did the visualizations where you can add a shield effect to your ship without having to actually equip the shield now to your standard gear, people have been... You know, piecing together things to make their ships look exactly what they wanted, along with you know the different color patterns and all that. And when they announce this, it's like, oh man, I can make my ship look just awesome, and now I can three D print it and buy it, and it's on my desk. Oh, I mean, I nobody said anything bad about this promotion. This promotion was something. Pretty much everybody was enjoying because they, at the very least, if you just wanted the stock ship from your inventory, you could have it on your desk. You could print it, and it was yours. It had your registry on it that you created in game. It was a promotion that, you know, if the moment it was available to the players, they probably would have been sold out for a while. It'd probably be like back order kind of things because it'd be making money, and then it falls through, and it's like, oh. It's like it was one of the biggest highs for the player base as far as Space Barbie and 
having your own starship and a physical representation on your desk. And it's just, it crashed the moment that news came out. Yeah. And it's definitely a shame. Um, but from what was said, you've got to wonder if that, and especially the way the community reacted to it is if whether or not they just simply couldn't keep up with the demand. Um, well, I mean, I'll, I will use that as an example. Eagle Moss can't keep up with some of their demand. And we learned that in Vegas. Half the, the ships that they have, because I have a few Eagle Moss starships that I bought at Vegas. About a third of the ones they had on display were sold out, and they said the manufacturer that was making them wouldn't have them available for sale for three to four months. So they were sold out and back-ordered for a minimum of six months, and people were still buying it and willing to wait for it. And these are models which are all a standard thing, not mm -hmm. like the 3D ones, which are specifically printed in a set thing from a game. So... But at the same time, with this kind of an argument, if people are willing to wait up to six months for a just a standard generic model from Eagle Moss, that means they would have been willing to wait as long as they got it. And it was exactly what they had in game. They would have been willing to wait and pay for it. The, I, th I don't think that the company that was doing this shut down necessarily because of the demand. No, they I think it was had a, issues before they made their partnership with STO. And it was those problems they already had that eventually led to them shutting down, not the STO thing. Because if anything, if they would have had any kind of financial problems, this with this partnership with STO would have solved them as far as the monetary the monetary problems. Yeah. I think they had issues long before STO partnered with them, and maybe they weren't on the up and up telling STO, "Hey, we've got these issues, and the only way we're going to save the company is through you guys." I, I that's what I think shuttered them. It's still a shame, and I hope someone else steps up to offer this because. I mean, I'll be the first one to say there's two or three starships that I've custom made that are not only good builds as far as using for content because of how I made them look. I would love to pay to have them on my desk sitting in front of me. And that's just me. I know some people, they've got God knows how many tunes, midnight, and, you know, God knows how many starships, midnight, and they might have more than three that they want. Um, I don't have that many. <laughs> d d d d liar. Um, <laughs> the big thing was, the big unknown for this, um, that was holding everyone back from being 100% excited about it, there was no talk about price. We knew what the size was. We knew what they would look like. We knew about the detail because that was highlighted in New York. We knew what the size was going to be. We knew how detailed they were going to be. They knew that if it had a shield effect, if you had the Dyson shield on a Valiant class, they would 3D print it with that shield effect on the Starship. So they were willing to go the extra mile, but they never stated price. We, we were, as a player base, speculating. Well, these models that they sell for this other thing over here cost this much, so let's extrapolate based off of that price for this larger size model for Star Trek. This is probably what it's going to cost kind of deal. I think that was the one thing that made players hesitant because we never got a price tag. 
if we had gotten a price tag and the potential within two months of pre-order, I think that would have been just them printing money because they would have had it coming in. Um, I'm just hoping I'm hoping this year someone steps up and goes, you know what? We'll take on that contract. We're willing to help you with that because I think it's a moneymaker just from what we were seeing in forums and on Facebook about people going ape shit. I get to print my starship. Oh, my God. Well, um, according to Steve Ricosa, the executive producer for Star Trek Online, um, he said that the entire development team has been looking forward to getting their ships printed just as much as any of you in the community. And having this program end before it was able to truly spin up is unfortunate. 3D ship printing has been a feature we've wanted to get in the game for years, and we will continue to keep an eye out for opportunities to bring it to the game in the future. Um, and see that, that I like that there are actively that's one of the things they're actively looking for someone to take on that they want it they want their little starships to face them when they look at the desk and go that's mine yeah like that's money yeah that that's that's not even money that's dude I got my starship it's not anybody else's it doesn't have the enterprises registry on it it has my custom registry my custom name my custom look. That can be personalized God knows how many ways over, you know, because not just the color schemes and the patterns and the shield effects for, for each starship, but there's some starships that there's three variations and all the parts work together on that one model. So there's variations just on the parts of the starship. Can, so can I'm, we just I'm hoping they find ad- someone. Can we just wholly admit right now, even cryptic, cryptic is a curse of, on marketing. Period. Well, I'm, I'm. No ifs, ands, or buts. Every, every, sing, every single sort of cross promotion that they've ever been involved in has somehow gone horribly wrong. Well, well you, you I can't know. argue against you with that, considering the attack wing debacle. And the only reason Don't, I can't. And, well, and the groupies thing. Well, the, the only reason I can't argue with you on the attack wing is because I ordered two. But what I got from a physical store, I got. You know, I was able to test it out and everything. I ordered one online for a friend. I ordered, I pre-ordered it almost two months before it came out. And it took me cussing out their customer service department three days ago. Three days ago. This ship, this attack wing ship got released in mid-November. I couldn't even get customer service to fully talk to me for this company until the end of last month. And it took until three days ago just for them to finally start processing my refund because they said they could only do 25% of all the orders they got. They accepted all everybody's money, but they only filled 25% of the orders. And it took me pretty much cussing them out before I get a refund. So they were willing to also keep the money they made off of me. And not give me a refund, not give me anything, and unless I was just going to be an ass to them. Um, yeah, that was an utter nightmare. And now the few copies that are left are selling on eBay for two to three hundred dollars unopened, at least, and that price will go up as time goes on. I'm just hoping this is one of those projects that, when they finally can lock down someone that won't shut down because of bankruptcy or whatever reason, that. 
it stays because this would be a great promotion, not just for PC players. I'm sure Geese and all of his console players would love to do the exact same thing and have their starships on, on top of their PlayStations or Xboxes. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I was thinking about what you said just a minute ago. The Eagle Moss models, I've got no issue with. I mean, I tried to, I was collecting them for my dad because my dad, that, that's how I got into Star Trek through my dad. And um, he's got all the models at his place. Um, I think I got up to like issue 20 or maybe 25 because it came with like a magazine as well. It's like one of them mm-hmm. kind of things. And I was I was really happy with the model. I was happy with the how it looked, you know, how obviously how designed it was. Obviously, it was a basic like you get the NX, that like it's basically the famous ships. So you get the Enterprise, the NX, and blah blah blah. Um, so you was never going to get any custom made kind of stuff. Um, it wasn't until they started being well, what I thought was being silly with it in terms of. Like they was putting one shuttle as as the model, and then that would be the issue. So then I'd have to wait another two weeks to get like a a, a more decent ship, you know. Yeah. And then obviously they moved on from like the Federation ships, and they started introducing, you know, various alien ships, you know, like the uh, like from the Delta Quadrant and everywhere else. Now going to what you're saying about the 3D printing, I'm not I'm not really surprised. And I'll tell you why, because 3D printers, you know, I don't, are not, they're not cheap. And even, even to, to get the material to make the, the print in the first place, that again, you know, it's like, it's like ribbons, if I'm correct. And uh, someone jump in and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. But they're like ribbons that obviously make up the various colors to make up the 3D print. Now, when you try and put that on an industrial scale and you're talking about, you know, all the various customizations, we're talking about like hundreds of thousands of customizations of players that play and things like that. That's, that's, that's a lot of time and a lot of money in it. So no wonder why, if it's true that the company went out of business or basically the, the deal broke down because it was just too much yeah. to promise. It's just... It's one of those things that they've, they've overhyped it so much. I hope they can actually come through with this one because there are players out there that to them, the end game of STO is Space Barbie. What can I make my ship look like? What can I, what customizations can I do? And that's what they spend hours on. And just in a general sense, you know, Eagle Moss has been doing great with these models because you can have your favorite starship on your desk and this would have been the next step not only is it your favorite starship it's yours from the game and absolutely it's not cheap but hopefully they can get with an established company that's willing to do it at this level and willing to put up the capital for it to make it work because i think yeah short term tremendous amount of setup cost to make to get everything pre-programmed in and not only do they have to pre-program in but to some level you've got to send them something from your account or they've got to access it as far as your starship in some way to make for sure they're getting the details right they're getting the registry right they're getting the name right that kind of thing 
But see, but that's from- the thing. That's the thing. Cryptic, if you're ever going to go into a business arrangement like this, make sure you have all of your shit together first. Make yeah. sure you have all of the stuff that it just transfers to that company before you start announcing this marketing deal. Because if you don't, look what happens. You I mean, lose it, a whole bunch of customer faith. Yeah, but we don't know where it went wrong and anything else like that. So that's, that's the bad thing no, of the see, third but party. See, that's the thing. Yeah. In, Mich- in, in New York, he said, we are working on the tech to get this done, not we already have it done. Well, that's, that's what, what they said in New York. I'm hoping with, with what's happened with this one, they're going to make for sure that Whoever's willing to do this has that amount of capital and resources to do it because it's going to be a tremendous upfront cost, like Guy said. But in the long term, it'll pay off because even if things get backordered and oversold or you're waiting for, for time on the printer to get everything out, in the long run, you're going to have the revenue for it. It's just going to take a tremendous amount of planning and prep work and capital at the very beginning to get it off the road. Moment they do though, they you know it it's one of those things that prints money. It just in, prints money. In our Twitch chat, um, Salakanar um, says it went wrong at the three D model company as they went bankrupt. And see, that's what I'm saying with with them going bankrupt. That's something that could have been in the the process of happening. They were already losing money long before they made this deal. And then Cryptic and Perfect World decided to make that announcement at New York. They could have already been having financial issues and just neglected to mention it to Cryptic and Perfect World, thinking, oh, well, this is going to be what saves our company. And okay. then they couldn't implement it in time to save the company. It could yeah, have just been that. As an estimated potentially 7 million players between the PC and the console. That's 7 million people that might be wanting to buy a ship. Mm-hmm. And we know it's not going to be a dollar starship. The, what was the original estimate? Based on the prices for that company, the estimate was anywhere from $80 to $100 a starship. Based on their original the prices. Ones. Yeah, just based on their prices. Because I think this, the, uh, the largest size that they offered for that company was about 40 bucks, And it was a third of the size of what they were offering for STO. So it was like $90 at least for a starship. And then they could tack on, well, if you want the shield effect, that could be another five bucks. You know, the little add-on things, microtransactions, that kind of thing. But you're looking at potentially, let's say, 100 bucks a starship, round number. Okay, you times that by 7 million players, potentially. The capital would be there long-term, but you'd have to have a lot in the beginning to make it work to get to that humongous profit margin that they would eventually make but and obviously on. this company could not do that yeah well exactly come on i mean we're, we're, we're crunching numbers here <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it, it sounds ridiculous right uh stew dog just said there were seven million sto players right and then obviously you added in timber about the customization so you're looking at seven million customizations shield colors you know you talked about the variations in terms of adding a sovereign to this and you know like you know the various like when and the cells are and stuff like that and yeah it might all look good on the screen because the screen can produce it at, a, at such a quick quick rate 
but the, the, the capital will be there. But to produce the goods, it's no, it's just not going to happen. It's just ridiculous. All right, I've got an idea. I'm going to go and pitch it to Cryptic and pitch it to Perfect World. And what I'm going to say to them is that they should, what they could have done is followed um, Eagle Moss's example in terms of having stock ships. And then, you know, maybe just in terms of the customization, using the register for the registry for the players, you know, and putting their like their personalized registration on like a plaque or something like that. And surely that would be a much more cheaper, better revenue to go down than 3D yeah. printing. Because it was something that um, even World of Warcraft just experimented with. When I first started playing back during what was called the Burning Crusade era, they had come out where you could go on the website and there wasn't a whole lot of customization, but your main character, whoever it was, they would make a statue of it and it would be your character. So whatever weapon or weapon and shield or weapon they were holding, you know, there's not, I guess, because there wasn't a whole lot of customization back then as far as the making of the character and all that. But you could have the weapons it was holding and it was just a, you know, your character that you played as as a statue with the name as part of the plaque. But they didn't offer it for long. Um, I don't think it was more than, what, six months, if I remember correctly? Wasn't too sure. I was never able to do it because of the price. But even World of Warcraft from Blizzard, they offered it, but it wasn't a long-term deal. Just because probably their their cost back then, we're talking about, what, 2007? So even they ran into cost issues doing that kind of customization per player they had, which what was it at the time, ten million? They were averaging they they were advertising nine to ten million players for their game. Um, so maybe it's something that when they finally introduce it, it only lasts for six months to a year just because they can't keep it up as a constant deal. That's something we could run into as well, is if they finally do find a company to do it, it's a limited time offer because of the amount of revenue and customization and time and effort it would take to actually do it in the long run might not be feasible for them or that company that they put it out to as a third party. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, the only... You cut out, sir. Oh, sorry. Hello? You're here now. Yay! Everyone can hear me! <laughs> um, <laughs> the only way that I can really see this working is if the cost of 3D printing comes down. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm, I'm over in the UK, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, 3D printing is still expensive. And when you're looking at mass producing to a scale of like, like you mentioned about Blizzard, you know, they've got a massive fan base and you're looking at Star Trek Online, they've got, a, like you said, 7 million fan base industrially on a mass production cell it's not cost effective clearly to produce in 3d so why didn't they you know maybe strike up a deal and do a similar thing to how eagle moss made it i mean they made it well using... that's the thing we don't know that it's not mm. it, that's just an assumption is we yeah. don't know what caused the company to go bankrupt and the thing is in order to get to that position anyway it would have been something that had gone on for quite a while, well before any talks with Cryptic and Perfect World started happening. I stand corrected. 
I think I think long term it's just going to come to a wait and see. Was this just something that they planned that it might take five years before the costs come down to make it cost effective for them and cost effective for us? Because if you overprice what you're offering, the players won't get it because, oh, well, I've got to pay $150 for this 3D printed Starship. That's enough to buy a shit ton of stuff in the C-Store and lock boxes and all that. It's going to be cost effective for both the company and the players. You know, it could take several years to do, or it might be something that, you know, depending on what Cryptic's able to find, they might not be able to find one for the life of the game. Well, again, it could again, it could this, just be on what they find as a third party. This, this goes back. The, this goes back to the argument in the first place. Make sure you have the tech behind what you want to do in your game first. That well, way, all they have to do is get the stuff set up on the other end. Well, just we don't know that they hadn't finished doing that because they could eat. All they need to do is to give a XML file, really, which has all the relevant information points in it. And that could generate a CAD thing or all sorts of stuff. So there's nothing to say that they haven't got the stuff ready to do the export for the well, orders. I think what I think what Sun is alluding to here is let's also make for sure the third party is the moment you advertise this is going to be available you can crank it out within a month. You advertise, we're partnering with this company, a month later people can start ordering it. I think one of the failures here was they announced it in New York. We had months, months of no news about it, no updates, nothing, and now it's it's gone. And yeah, but if we're we going to make that, that kind of... Well, even, even if there was a big problem with the, uh, the, the third-party company... This kind of blockbuster announcement, let's make for sure they're ready to, the moment we make it, because we know the players will be chomping at the bit to be a part of it, will you be ready to print within a month? If we open up the prices in three weeks, and we tell everybody the prices in three weeks, can you start printing in a month? If the answer is no, we're not going to announce it, because we know players are going to want to actually buy it. And if you wait too long... Well, then this is what happens. A, a company can go bankrupt for other reasons. And now you're sitting here with your demo models, which everybody loved, and no time frame because you, you as a company are trying to find a replacement. So there's no time frame, and it was a nice idea, but ultimately it gets forgotten by most of the player base because there's no news on it. But that's the thing, we just don't know. It could have been that the, that's hang the on. it could have been that when they made the announcement that they had a timeline that three, four weeks later they're going to do the prices. So October we got the prices and you would be able to order for say November with getting the order for December for Christmas. That could have been a timeline. But it could have been when it came time to announce the prices, they couldn't because the other company had said, oh, we can't do it just yet. We've got a stock issue or we've got this issue. Hold off on it. And it got delayed, delayed. All of a sudden, they're bankrupt. We just don't know what happened and in what order. But when they made the announcement, they could have had everything in place ready. But then when it came time to do it, something said, no, you can't. 
Well, then in that case, for a good business practice, make them sign a contract. Well, they could have we had release... a contract, but when someone goes bankrupt, you, there's not much that you can do. Breach now, a contract. Yes, but you can then go a legal way to reclaim any money that was lost. But when no money has been exchanged by customers yet, there's not much that cryptic or perfect worlds can do. Well, I'm just happy going to a convention, getting a code, going home, going on Star Trek Online and putting that code in and getting a duty officer. Yeah, I I agree with Sun at this point, honestly. If they ever revisit the 3D printing, they better have a quicker timetable than what they originally planned. There, there you better can't. be a price list. There better be, oh, well, we've released in a week. You can start printing. It better be quick. There better be ironclad contracts on a company that's not going to go out of, out of business. Because if it happens again, and then you finally get it right on the fourth or fifth attempt, no one's going to be interested. If it be- constantly falls through, you lose your interest from the player be- base. To be fair, though, giving giving Cryptic and per- Perfect World some credit, I'm pretty sure that the next time they go into this kind of thing, that they'll learn from their mistakes and you know do it the proper way. I ho- I'm hoping so. <laughs> That's and giving them a some. whole hell of a lot more credit than they're worth. <laughs> That's an evil laugh. <laughs> Anyways. I do I do want to say though marketing a physical object is something completely different than marketing a piece of software. So where the video game industry is currently at with a create a year in advance hype and then release a thing to substandard and then and and terrible reviews but you still have a physical product coming out at some point when you or will you ha- still have a software, a media product coming out at some point? Having a physical product and having marketing for it means that marketing has to exist when that product is available. Otherwise, guess what? Nobody knows the thing exists or nobody goes and buys it because it doesn't exist. Well, like I said, just give me the software. I'll be happy. I mean, we saw this most recently out of the whole No Man's Sky thing. For years, we've had... This No Man's Sky thing, hyped to hell, and then it comes out, and guess what? It's wholly lackluster, and it's kind of terribly implemented. And yet, yet, at the same time, this entire culture of pre-order and hype before it existed, existed. And you can't do that with a physical sell, uh, sellable item. You can't, you can't create a year's worth of hype for a new version of Coke, and then... A year later, you go, eh, well, we kind of made New Coke again. New Coke was terrible when it came out in the first place. Why'd you re- Why'd you create all the hype for New Coke and say it was some kind of mystery Coke? You, you can't do that. You, you will lose your customer's faith in you when you do shit like that with the physical product. Well, the physical product blows up in your pocket because it's got a bad battery. Samsung. <laughs> Hold on, that happened with the Segway balls as well, if I remember yeah. correctly. Oh, it's also happened with Apple, and yeah, there have been lots of instances over the past where things Definitely. like that have happened. Um, at least with Samsung, after their fix didn't work and it happened again, they did 
do a recall, unlike other manufacturers who sort of trying to get them to take it back um, because uh, of a possibility. Not just a recall, difficult. they f- they force bricked all the notes too. Yeah, and the thing is that cost them something like twenty billion dollars, um, which they took that hit. Um, which sort of I'll give them credit for that. Most companies don't and won't do that. Um, oh yeah, so, definitely. So yeah, they they did well with that i think um sort of yeah you get like apple devices sort of you can get hundreds going wrong and they still haven't recalled it whereas only i think four went before they just went right no <laughs> we're scrapping that entire line <laughs> mm-hmm. See, that's the thing okay how many people have died because of an apple product like malfunctioning Don't know. i hope not any I don't know. Yeah, there, there. I, I want to say there's been at least one or two cases of people being severely injured to the point of death because of the Samsung, Samsung thing. And let's also not forget our recently departed friend Anton Yelchin for defective merchandise. This is true, and the recent one I've seen is defective e-cigarettes. Apparently, aftermarket charging devices overcharges the battery and they explode. And they've been showing a video of e-cigarettes exploding in people's pockets. Yeah, but to be fair, we've been told for decades smoking's bad for your health. Well, now it's exploding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, sorry, on, couldn't man. resist. Couldn't resist. Come on, it really puts a bang in the bad health. <laughs> you, you don't get no bigger hint than putting a picture of a bad lung on a packet of cigarettes, you know? No, you do. You put an explosion on there. <laughs> Picture of a mushroom clone on the front of your e-cigarette. <laughs> anyway, back to Star Trek Online. Oh, we, um, we talk about that here? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so we've also had an announcement that you can actually stream to Twitch from Arc. So for Ooh. all the Arc users out there, um, you now don't need any specialized software to actually do the streaming. Except you know, needing arc. I still like the idea. It it gives an option. Let's say someone needs build advice real quick, and that's the only reason they're doing it. One time they stream it, people can help them out real quick, either live or with a delayed comment. They get the help they need in real time while watch, someone's watching them, how they're piloting, or they're having trouble with a mission. Oh, well, it's stuck. Well, let me live stream this real quick to a bug hunter. And there's the evidence they need to submit a report to get it fixed. Well, I, I mean, like we it. see this. We see this happening with a bunch of the other games as well. Um, the Blizzard launcher has a uh, mm-hmm. stream to Twitch feature now. Um, uh, Steam has had one for a while. But I'm just saying, like, especially for us. You know, it's. I think it's a good thing for STO. I really do. It gives people, if they do want to test out the streaming community, they want to test out that option, they have it. If they want to simply use it so that their fleet mates can help them out with piloting or with a mission, they've got that. If you're trying to f- submit a bug to a bug hunter and they, want, they need video evidence because that does help their bug reports, you can stream what you're seeing. They have their video representation. They can record. It, it, it gives a lot of options to the players, especially with submitting these bugs or at least proof of a bug or a broken mechanic or what the hell just happened kind of deal. Or did I do that? Oh, my God. 
I like it having built in. I've just gotten irritated about the whole, what was it, Shift S. I'm gonna have to change my keybind because every time I try to do a capital S using Shift, <laughs> it instantly goes to the streaming, and it started to piss me off the other day. So I just started doing a caps lock to type the S. Um, but I like that idea. I like that thought because um, we have seen it in other games. We see it on PlayStation all the time now, especially with PlayStation Four. At least. I don't know if it's on Xbox One. I only own a PS4. But having an option where you can just press a button and you're live streaming. And it can be for any number of reasons, but you're live streaming real quick. What you're seeing or what you're playing through now has an easier option for STO players. I like it. It might... I don't know what other people are thinking about it, and I haven't tested it personally, but I think it's a nice option. Now, we have also had... Tales of K13 Part 4 released. So, um, this is where, in the story, it's a little bit about what happened down at the planet. So, um, not sure whether or not there'll be a Part 5, or whether or not the next part of the story is actually part of the mission we'll be doing. Um, so, it be interesting to see where that gets uh, taken Well, and that's the story blog I was talking about with the Zenkethi, because what they were basically describing, what I thought they were describing, is that the Zenkethi were visiting this planet back in the 16th century using projectile weapons, if I remember the description correctly. They weren't just just visiting this planet. They were exploiting the planet and the the aliens that lived there. I was being nice. Slave labor to collect the the egg things, the things that those people actually worship. The Zenkethi were actually harvesting for something. They don't look like dilithium crystals, so who knows what the hell they are. But at the same time, the question remains: What the hell are temporal agents from the future doing here in the past to regard stuff even further in the past? When they, having been in the future, know full damn well what has gone on here has no fucking impact on the timeline whatsoever. Oh, we don't know that us being a temporal agent didn't pass something on when we found it. Nope! Nope! So far as the story is concerned, this has no impact on their future whatsoever. Well, the thing is, Star Trek's created this... um... Star Trek has invented a new form of time where time is not an established thing when you're in the future and it's just, there can be possible time or hidden time. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that the, are you saying that the Federation of the future, like the, the time agency of the future is quite literally like the prophets in the wormhole? Well, let's go to an episode of Enterprise for a second uh, suddenly, randomly, one day, Archer wakes up and he's in the 31st century. Daniels is there and he just goes, oops, we um, we, we fucked up the timeline a little bit. And it's just, Earth is just ruins. And they're walking about and like they find books and stuff of the Romulan Star Empire. And they need to go back and work out what they accidentally did that broke time and fix it again. It was the 
ending two-parter of the first or the second series? I can't For, remember. I think, was, I think it was the first season. Yeah, it was the first season because they were still dealing with Silic from the Suleban. He's going back to the Zinkathy. Um Has it actually been stated yet that it is them? I can't remember. It wasn't stated as far as the name because in the, the story blog, the three Federation officers didn't know who they were. They just knew that these these aliens were exploiting the 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 people of the planet. They were able to scare them off with their phasers because all they had were projectile weaponry. So there was never they never knew what the name of these aliens were. Yeah, one would uh, one one can only assume since we're talking about a Zenkethi proto matter weapon in the first mission, and. Which, which I'd like to add, which I'd like to add, according to, according to What's-Her-Face, the proto-matter weapon only went off a week before we arrived there with her in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's potentially could no be the Zenkathy. No timeline whatsoever. Yeah, it's potentially the Zenkathy. That's my guess, anyway. The Zenkathy have been, they originally came to this planet, they got scared off by these Starfleet officers, and... Maybe they visited throughout this the centuries, or maybe this was their first time coming back, and they exacted revenge on this planet for what the Federation officers did. I don't that that's just my guess going on what we saw from the first mission and this story blog is this the Zenkethi firing that proto matter weapon in the first mission isn't the first time they've been here. I think they that was them in the past as well. Well, on the topic of Kathy, we've had um, Brandon Gray in our Facebook posts because um, he's watching it, to, watching us live in our Facebook streaming. Has um, said that he'd like to know what the hell they actually look like finally, and has um, said that in the books they have them as serpent-like beings with little to no bones, sort of mm-hmm. air sacs, translucent skin with a slight um, electric charge. And they sound freaking weird. Because if um, I remember correctly from the books, they uh, they were described as having teardrop-shaped starships of sorts. If I remember the descriptions correctly. Um, it's in one of, I believe... What was it? What Wait a minute! That? Wait a minute! Did, 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 the, did, the, did the things grow as their ships? Is that what they were harvesting? Their ships? Now, that would be an interesting possibility. Considering that that mission was all about creatures in space, that's, I think you could have just got the nail in the head there. Especially <laughs> considering the murals actually showed that the, the crystal form of things grow. grow exponentially in size just sitting there. And it was enough that the people who were worshipping them witnessed it enough to document it on their murals. So Timberwolf, here's one for you. Um, episode of TNG, Tin Man. Gum 2. Mm-hmm. So is, it does open we a door. have, with the blocks, the, um, the, the Kathy of the past could have started a process which created a ship, which the launch of that ship hundreds of years later is what destroyed all organic matter on the planet. Possibly. Or their ships could be more organic in nature. Maybe not as sophisticated as Gomtu or the Undine, but still could be grown. 
into this teardrop shape that they're talking about in the novels. Um, or they could have used an actual weapon, but it's entirely possible that them trying to grow this entity or this starship could have left a proto-matter residue. Well, it could be a matter of what happened to the day ones who the Iconians were here. They had a gateway. They left using the gateway. There was an accident and the gateway was buried. So Zenkethi were here. They were looting all the natural resources of the planet, which was these things that they could build ships with. The people saw this. They researched it using their own basic understanding of it, attempted to make their own, and it backfired spectacularly. Now, they were saying that this is a byproduct of Zenkethi technology, which is based on these crystal things. That's the theory we're working on anyway. So... (laughs) The that technology was there. They, okay, sure. You can you can theorize that that's a thing that happens. But if that was a thing that they were actually doing, I would kind of think that somebody, you know, in that whole week of those people still being alive, would have actually created documentation. Uh, and, and even even if it was in in a mural or a half written tablet or an actual technological pad, because organic matter, proto matter does stuff too, uh, that would say this is what we were doing. The only argument I could have for you, son, on that one: what if the mural was inside the room where we do the scan for the proto matter, and because of the reaction? that happened in the cavern, any walls that contained it were destroyed by this rapid growth of whatever happened in there. Yes, That's I the recall, only thing I could come up with right there. Yes, if I recall the mission correctly, the only reason that part where we investigate exists is because it was in like a cavern. So whatever happened missed that section of it. But so, it also looked contained because, I mean... If, well, yeah. no, let's remember, that whole cavern is where those crystals were, period. And No, but what I'm saying is the documentation or wherever they had could have been somewhere else. She quite literally says that this place, this cavern, is ground zero, as in it went off right there. Could be a launch bay, that could be the equivalent of Cape Canaveral. Just Because it was limited, I mean, depending on the destructive nature... If it wasn't a launch pad, if it was like, let's say, a torpedo, I doubt it would just be on that one specific spot. It might have leveled, it, it should have leveled the entire area. If, but if it if was a the, growing the, site if, or a launch site, it would just be in that one spot. If the ship did, if there was a ship and the ship actually did explode because they were trying to launch, why the hell didn't the rest of the entire crystal structure get? get itself blown up because that's exactly what it is that ship that entire crystal structure should have imploded or exploded or created its own quantum singularity that sucked the entire planet into its own black hole because it's all that thing that we're discussing is possibly one of the things or it had a reaction there was a device planted there there had to be a device planted there. Now, yeah, it may have been a way for the Zenkethi to wipe out all life so that they could just start collecting their ships again. But, but, remember, protomatter doesn't wipe out, like, 
inorganic matter. It wipes out all organic matter. This is why this is why the ruins still existed. This is why those crystals still existed because they were considered inorganic matter, and the proto matter bomb didn't affect them. So yeah, even if there was an explosion at Ground Zero, like okay, if there was, why are there still why are the lamps still hanging on the walls inside that cave? <laughs> there, I'm sorry, there should still be some documentation somewhere of what they're doing. Well, it'll be interesting to see where they take it, either in the missions or the blogs. I'm sure we'll come back to it in future episodes. I still uh, want to know what the temporal agents were doing there in the first place. Because, again, didn't didn't Cryptic say, you know, we, we're stopping with the temporal stuff? Well, you just threw that out the window by having these people from the future investigating this stuff. Doesn't I mean, mean there's, a, there's a part of it that doesn't mix in with it. It doesn't mean that it's a hard stop. Just means it's going to be disappearing, but it doesn't mean that it will be immediately. What I mean is, it should be people from this century finding those people's buried place and their logs, and then passing them on as part of data collection. Not people from the future. Didn't Daniel say that his people in the 31st century were investigating the disappearance of Station K-13 in one of the the TOS missions, though, the one where it went missing in the first place. He said, uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, we, we know where it shows up again, so don't worry about the people, they're fine. Yeah, I think he did, actually. So, yeah, that goes into what we've already played. Time travel mindfuck, eh? <laughs> <laughs> This is yep. why I say it's a seventh dimensional problem. So, moving on. Um, as we've already mentioned, Tony Todd is joining Star Trek Online. So, um, haven't got that many details, but... Uh, I do want to say, uh, Ambassador Kale, our Klingon community manager, it is nice to know that I am not the only one that gets Klingon names confused back and forth Fronts and sides. <laughs> because reading this blog, we kept waffling back and forth between the name Kern and Rodek, and the places where Kern was supposed to be, Rodek was, and some places where Rodek was supposed to be, Kern was. <laughs> That's eighth dimensional right there. So, um, but as I said um, earlier, it'll be interesting to see if we get Michael Dorn back as well. Um, but it does indicate that we may be getting more um, Klingon KDF content, um, or at least direction. Um, so, 2017 is the year of the Klingon. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I do, I do have to say though, it's I don't know where they're going with this, but um, okay, because uh, for those who for those who are are are, are not uh, Deep Space Nine watchers or who have yet to have seen it, minor spoiler, Kern, which is the brother of Worf from uh, the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. In Deep Space Nine, goes through a a crisis of honor, in which the only recourse is to completely remove Kern's memory, and turn, essentially turn Kern into a Klingon named Rodek. 
Yeah, because he wanted Worf to heck bat him, but kind of uh, kind of went a bit wrong because Cisco was like, no, nah, you, you can't really kill people on the station. I, I, say, I, say, I say it's a minor spoiler. It is, the, it, is, it is kind of the thing for an entire episode, but that never comes up again, ever. It was literally a one-off episode and it has no future impact on anything except Worf. Yeah, it's mentioned in several of the DS9 books, but it's never really explored fully. He pops up from time to time as a just a member of the, the KDF. Well, and a reason to make Worf mopey. <laughs> well, judging by the last conversation with the time travel and all that, it seems to me that anything's possible. And the way that STO is going forward, you know, whatever pops up in STO kind of becomes canon for the future unless stuff elsewhere pops up but I don't really hear or see that at the moment right. uh, more news we've got Starbase K13 fleet holding special unlock that's been released um, this one gives you federation banners and logos I, so. I, I like how the, the opening for this blog th- this particular one for the K13 thing the the particular opening for this talks about finding out what happens to K13 later this year. <laughs> it's like, this is the worst case of copypasta ever because it's quite literally discussing what happened last year. Stuff we already know that happens on the PC, and yet... We're acting like it's a mystery. Ooh, and here's the new, here's the new cosmetic. Here's the new cosmetic. Here, go and finish it, and then you'll find out what happened to K13. Yeah, but there could be some players that haven't played it and don't know what's going on. Yeah, but why would those players even be reading a blog in the first place? Somebody could be looking around for a game and start reading the blogs. Think, ooh, I might want to play that. That's the yeah, thing with blogs think, is... Yeah, but then they'll be thinking that K-13 comes out later this year, not it came out last year. You, you, you see where I'm having a problem with this blog? No. <laughs> of course you wouldn't, because it involves time travel. The future no, is in the past. I, I, the past is in the future. No, I just haven't actually read the blog itself. So. <laughs> it is, it's just... We'll be talking about the Sphere Builders next. Midnight. I think we broke Sun. She seems to have just... <laughs> Sun Sail, are you there? At the conclusion of the episode, Painful Omens, Starbase K-13 was lost to a temporal anomaly. During our update later this year, players will be able to discover the fate of K-13 and find what technologies are locked away inside. Starbase K-13 will become available as a new toss-themed fleet holding available to all fleets in Star Trek Online. That is literally the first paragraph of this blog. Yeah, I think this was probably scheduled originally before the new year. (laughs) This, the way this blog is written, it was scheduled before the fleet holding was ever supposed to be launched. Well, they can't take it back now. So, um, yeah, it's available now. We had some patch notes uh, yesterday, or for those 
in Europe and the UK and beyond two days ago. Um, so there have been some fixes that will um, sort out um, crashes when deleting mail from the exchange. They resolved an issue um, where the Sutherland-class advanced research vessel cost 6,000 zen and unlocked the tier 6 cross-faction science bundle in the ship requisition store. <laughs> I lost it when I read this because I'm like, wow, A isn't it? I wonder how many people actually paid uh, 60 bucks thinking they were getting one ship and then found out they had three because of a mistake in the sea store. Oopsies! Because <laughs> normally the tier six ships all cost about 30 bucks each, unless you're getting the bundle on which it's 60 for three. Mm -hmm. and, I wonder and how many people read these notes and just went on a scramble to buy them as well. I know, right? I know, right? It's like the Mark 13 gold kit all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, but that's that's the thing, though. The bundle and the Sutherland, there's no difference in price. It, it's still six thousand. It's still six thousand zen or sixty bucks US to to unlock both. It's just that it was applying the bundle price to the Sutherland itself as an unlock, and so people were winding up paying sixty bucks, thinking they were getting one chip when they were really paying for the bundle because the the wires were crossed somewhere. This is why they say this will not affect purchases already made prior to this update because people went for the Sutherland and wound up shelling an extra shelling out an extra thirty bucks, but. Because of this, got all three of the ships anyway. Um, there's also a couple of other issues that have been sorted to do with uh, starship traits and outfits and things like that. Um, so not any sort of major things, but given that uh, directly back from the holidays, I wouldn't expect anything sort of huge. Um, unfortunately... There's still no fix for the fact you can't claim all your epos. So, you know what I'm happy is finally back. Came back maybe a week or two ago. Foundry. Oh yes, because um, that came back the week of our Christmas special, where mm -hmm. we didn't actually because do anything. Because you have story content outside of cryptic, not giving a damn. Well, I happen to, I've got several authors that I follow intently uh, for stories. In fact, I just recorded one called The Ghosts of War. Oh, that's a good one. It's a six-part, six-mission part, six mission part um, story. But I just, you know, if I'm looking for story content, this is what I go to. Because with the way it's been, uh, the actual missions from Cryptic are, playing one mission three times over three weeks it kind of loses like it's newness but foundry will offer me new stories um i'm just glad it's back because now these these players that love to make these this content they can start making it again with the new lighting changes and a lot of them have been spent christmas since it came up going back and revamping their old stuff first for the lighting so it still looks good before they move on to new stuff. So I'm just glad that aspect of the game has come back. Indeed. Um, I actually played the Foundry because um, I actually had time to um, over the Christmas break as well. 
So, um, so yeah, we mentioned about um, the events that are coming up um, as earlier on. So, um, need to look out for There's that. There's an R&D weekend going on right now! Right yeah, now. so... So if you're listening to the remastered version, you missed it. Don't. I recognize that line from somewhere. <laughs> I wonder who could have ever said that line. I don't know. Well, people should uh, tune in live, have a chat with us. Yeah, or there's a is... whole lot of content that gets cut out of this show. <laughs> Especially when we go on for three and four hours. Oh, whatever. We've gone for, what, six, seven hours at one point? Uh, just under six. Damn. Welcome to the crew. The holiday show. <laughs> yeah, well, the last holiday show for 2015 was just under five hours. And then later in the year, for 2016, we had a show that went on for almost six. So we well, do know the, uh... how to talk. The thing is, you just need to take sort of these last few weeks there's not been much news that's come out but yet we've now been going for how long so nearly two and a half hours <laughs> the thing well, with we, the we did come back from a two and a half week break right or a three week break yeah but the amount of news that came out is what you'd normally have in one <laughs> <laughs> with the <laughs> christmas one me and zombie wanted to keep going but it's like nah let's just wrap up here so um so, on to stuff for the console. Um, the Tier 6 Jem'Hadar Strike Ships. So, um, there's a promo running until we, we January 5th. We, we missed a thing. There's currently an R&D sale going on right now as the R&D Infinity Lockboxy things come to a close. So, it's your last chance to get the R&D Infinity Boxes while there's an R&D promotion going on in the C-Store. All right, cool. Yeah, because I'd mentioned about the R and D weekend and um, with the dates, but I hadn't mentioned about the Infinity Pack. Thank you for that. So yeah, on console, um, Tier Six Jemadar Strike Ships. So that was running until um, I think it was yesterday. Um, is that correct? Um, yes, the promo ended uh, on the fifth. So um, yeah, it gave people the chance to open. Um, the R&D pack and get either 10 Lobi or the Jem'Hadar strike ship. So. Yes. Yeah, sorry, just to confirm, it did finish on the 5th of January on Thursday, yesterday. Do you know anyone um, that you play with that got one of those at all? Um, I'll tell you what, I would have personally liked to have got one, thinking about it now, uh, just for the, the, the chance to have a different ship to play. Uh, and also the the traits as well go for the kill doesn't doesn't look that bad. Cannon rapid fire for three seconds, uh, hits the critical hits on it extended the duration of it. So yeah, looks looks pretty good. And they've uh, gone. No, go on. I was gonna say like I I don't know anyone, but I'm pretty sure that when I load up the uh, console tomorrow, I'll probably see a bunch of people. Flying around bug ships everywhere or whatnot. <laughs> now they also released the Guardian bundle, um, which was um, available as of um, yesterday, 
to Thursday, January 5th. They uh, did. So, yeah, um, the pack includes a Federation, Klingon, and Romulan ship. Yeah. So the link will be in our show notes, which will have all the stats for those ships. So for PC users, it's what we've already got in-game. Yes, these were part of the Delta pack. Uh, now that they've, these have just been released on console, do does the console not have the the packs that the PC has in that respect? Uh, Romulus pack and Delta pack. No, well, they're uh, being released in different orders and things like that with the console. The I'm pretty sure that the um, that the console actually has access to the Romulus pack because all of that Romulus content was released at launch. Is that the what the Romulus pack you talked about the legacy thing? Yeah, the legacy, the legacy box. packs. Yeah, yeah, you can already buy that. You can already buy the legacy pack. Um, from using Zen because uh, it's yeah yeah all the leg yeah the legacy of Romulus expansion was included within the console launch because it was up to I want to say the Dyson Sphere so that's well past the legacy of Romulus launch. Well, I think I mean I I'll have to double sorry I'll have to double check but I think the I can play the mission Stormbound which was that was if I remember correctly that was related to the Dyson Sphere wasn't it? You know, Storm Stormbound is a few storylines after that because uh, you had the Dyson, then you went to the Delta Quadrant. Ah. I think yeah, Stormbound is part of a New Dawn, so that's after the Iconian War arc. That's a few ends. So actually, you're past Iconian War arc if you got Stormbound. Yeah, like I said, I'll have to double check that. I'll I'll uh, have the definitive answer for that by the time the next uh, podcast comes around, but. If you're saying that they've only just introduced the Dyson spheres, then it's still pretty way back, aren't we? See, uh, this, this is this is again, this is one of those things where I'm like, look, I don't know, but if you know, if it's as far back as people are talking about it being far back, then there's no chance of it catching up in time, quote unquote, to be one on one with anything, unless they forcibly de-ball the PC version of the game to let the console version catch up. Well, like we've said before, you know, they've already given players a month's worth of double XP, so, you know, to build up the uh, the fan base and stuff, and I ain't gonna lie, I, t- I took full advantage of that. One minute I'm on uh, uh, I can't remember the mission there. Anyway, I was, I was quite uh, Nimbus I was on one minute I was on Nimbus and then the next thing you know I'm at level 30 or 40 odds you know and then I haven't even got to the ball story arcs yet and I'm already on level 52 you know so yeah, well, when I was doing my leveling just on PC um, I was already in 50s and I had only got halfway through the missions damn <laughs> it, it doesn't take long <laughs> yeah, but it also helps that you're like what a 700 day veteran, so you get oh, that little bit of experience extra. Um, well, yeah, as a lifer, I've got other bonuses. Plus, from all packs that I've opened, I've also collected loads of extra bonuses which I attach to the thing. So yeah, it does shorten that as well. Also, if you're Amateurs. ever in, in a if you're <laughs> ever in a 
in a queue with somebody who has those lifetime bonuses, you are granted them as well for for the time you're in that queue. Yep, everyone should come and play with me. I'll say this. <laughs> my first tune... That's something your wife would get upset about. My, my first tune in STO did not do the first story arc to completion until after I hit max level, level 50. I leveled, like that. I leveled that tune solely off of Federation Fleet Alert and Starbase 24. And that's all I did for that tune. I didn't start playing through the missions until level 50. And I was playing against uh, the Klingon War. I was fighting the Doomsday Machine at level 50. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done that because I used yeah. to level them up using just DOF missions. And then I'd start playing the content. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I did the, the Agents of Yesterday tune. I went from level, what was it? The moment you have the duty uh, the duty officer missions and Admiralty and all that, like level 15. Yeah, you I get, access to 11 that. is when you get the duty officers, and then I think it's 15 or 20 that you get the Admiralty. No, yeah, Admiralty, the you don't that, get to, no, Admiral no, Admiralty is 51. 50 or 51. Okay, so duty officers, I used... duty officers are unlocked at level 15. Because I, I use the, the duty officer packs, the, the mirror universe and the temporal ones that everybody still goes nuts over. And I leveled from 20 to 50 off of like eight of those going critical. I just went and I was at level 50. This was a double think, XP weekend. The, the point we're trying to make here is it's clearly easy to level up. Oh, God, yeah. Or, <laughs> uh, well, alternatively... Um, well, at least until Orion, you get to level 50. <laughs> my, my Orion uh, character uh, is now at a position where her um, mission journal is constantly flipping out because it thinks she's run none of the missions. Because at this point, they've restructured all of the missions and reset them so many times that every, every arc that she's already done is now wholly new to her. <laughs> wow, that's bad luck right there. Nope. Temporal reset. <laughs> now, yeah, I'm no, sorry, but um, yeah, playing on the console wise, you know, it, I didn't use no lock boxes or anything. I literally played bare bone from start to finish ish, apart from obviously the bonus XP that I got. Now, talking about bonuses, I um, have already mentioned that this weekend is a bonus marks weekend for you console gamers. So if you want to get some extra marks, this weekend will help. Now, while we're on the topic of consoles, is what do you think about, because you've of course played PC for quite a while and now you're doing console gaming. So now you're on the show, what are your thoughts on console, the differences, what is better or worse? I am. I'm a f I've got officially got my uh, staff badge here to be here. Um, I went to the canteen earlier and uh, got myself a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, I, I, it, see, it's, it's not difficult to say because obviously... There's no doubt about it that this Star Trek Online was built purely for the PC when it first came out. Now, someone somewhere in their organization of people have had the idea of switching it over to the consoles, you know, maybe because of the mechanics and the 
compatibility of the PlayStation 4 and things like that? Because you never even heard of this talk when the PlayStation 3 was out, you know? And I'm only speaking from a PlayStation point of view because that's only what I've had. But I'm not excluding, obviously, the Xboxes out there, you know, the 360s and the Xbox One. So, like like I said earlier, I actually thought that it, was, it wasn't going to work. And the reason why was because I thought that the game was complex enough that, you know, there was professional gamers out there that were creating macros for the PC, you know, hitting them buttons as quickly as they can, learning about the buffs and the... You know, and I'm probably talking to Timberwolf here as well because he's probably a pretty good expert for the PC. But, you know, creating ship builds and things like that. And it was interesting to see whether they could replicate that for the console. Control-wise, it's pretty... It takes some adjusting, you know, because you've got your, your quick start buttons, which you would have. Um, so, say, for instance... Because I'm, I'm a tactical player with, uh, on the console, because that's what I prefer to do. But um, say, for instance, you have your um, uh, Omega Three, uh, Omega Three, um, what's it called? Attack pattern. Sorry, I couldn't think then. It's getting late. Um, I say you got your Omega Three tack pattern as the quick one. You have to actually hold down that button. So, for instance, for the PlayStation Four, I have to hold down the circle button to get all the rest of the powers that I could use. And your times in that by three because obviously you've got the science, engineering, and tactical, and that can be quite daunting. And it's, it's, it's exactly the same for the ground as well, you know, in terms of working out the controls. So I can I can understand why some people would find it difficult to get to grips with the game. But it opened, I mean, from a sales point of view, it, the game opens up to a whole range of audiences that play PlayStation 4 that has a machine that can produce the graphics that it wants and allow it to play the content that it produces for for such an easy way a, a convenient way if you like so yeah i mean i'm all for it and obviously now we've got the streaming as well so you know streaming from the playstation 4 is literally a couple of buttons and you're, you're on twitch you know once you set it up um it's 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 just convenient cool well if you guys listening have got questions regarding console playing then send them in to us. Okay, well, I think that's it for uh, Star Trek Online um, for this week. Um, Timberwolf did a covering of the Chell Bulg Breen ship. The, the Chell Dry Heave? Yeah. The Chell. Nice. No, we discussed this. We discussed this previously. The 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 new Breen ship. That's that's literally the sound someone makes trying to heave when they have nothing in their gut. And trying to throw up. That's literal. That that is literally the sound that is made. That's the name of this ship. Well, I'm and not going to be now, puking in time soon. Thinking of that mental image, aren't they? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> the chill. <laughs> now, see, all the British people laughed. All the all the all the European people laughed, and Timberwolves over there going, "Oh God, please." Stop! Make it stop! 
had to mute my mic. I've been laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Timberwolf's done a YouTube video um, about that. So include a link in the show notes. Okay, Star Trek timelines. Now, as we sort of briefly mentioned, there have been um, different events that have been running over the Christmas break. So, we've had Plague of Plagues. Oh, that's a new line. What's that? I just opened up timelines and, and, and Kugo's card wouldn't have kept me waiting. Oh yeah, I've had that a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We had Merry Men, which included a lovely picture of Worf. (laughs) That did make me chuckle when I saw that. I am Uh, not a Merry Man. And we also had a rerun of Liberty for All. So, um, yeah, because there's a bit of a mess up with that, which got people some free chronotons. And, um, yeah. I want to say, it's it's very important note. That um that during the merriment event, the community decided to kill Harry Kim. So you're all murderers. <laughs> <laughs> but the event that's currently going on is War Interrupted. So um that's running until Monday 9th, noon Eastern time. Now this one you can get event crew of Obsidian Order, Garrick. Trader Odo, and Raquel Troy. So, uh, so yeah, this is one of the ones where you're basically sending off shuttles. So, um, so yeah, if you, you enjoy the shuttle missions, get in this weekend. Now, so they... uh, you, you know how we recently had this this uh, event thing where they were handing out supposedly five extra crew, crew slots for completing the event thing. Mm-hmm. You remember us having a discussion about that? Yeah, see, the moment that you guys released those, those were already full for me. Do you want to know why, Timelines? Do you, you want to know why, Disruptor Beam? Because you keep releasing these events, and you hand out these rare officers, and instead of being smart about it, uh, you, you, you make it so that it's almost possible to play the game, because... You have officers that are already in the whole thing, and you can't get any more. See, here's what I'm talking about. Here's a little bit of advice, Disruptor Beam. If you're going to have a game where the object of the game is to get more crew and more crew and more crew, and yet at the same time you have events where you're giving away crew, especially if they're purple or, or, or above in quality... If they're purple and above in quality, they should be coming with their own crew slot, period. Period. If I get an unlock reward of a Jennifer Cisco, of a mirror Jennifer Cisco that is purple, she better come with her own crew slot. Yeah, because it, it's part of running the event. Yeah, even if they did that you got the free crew slot just for the purple and golds, that would be a great help. Or even a choice between do you want an officer or do you want chronotons or do you want a box of gear or something? That's, uh, yeah. Um, I have actually gone back and because I have been playing it a little bit more, I have actually subscribed to the daily little bit of Dilithium. 
and I did get an extra five slots using the first batch. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I have been playing again. Um, but yeah, not much has sort of changed. I have liked some of the UI changes they've made, especially when it comes to the PvP matches, although I say PvP loosely because you know it's not against a person. But um, yeah, it would be nice if the crew slots were cheaper. Especially as the, for me, I think the next batch that I'd have to get would cost um, 3,000 zen. Um, 3,000 zen, 3,000 dilithium. Uh, but uh, yeah, see how things go with that. But uh, yeah, um, expect there'll be another weekend event next week from Disruptor Beam for Star Trek Timelines. So. Sounds, sounds good, I'll have to look out for that. Um, now we had briefly mentioned before we um, broke up um, was about things that were coming with the 1.6 update. So um, in some of their recent patch notes that has included doing um, other prep for that. Um, I'm trying to think if the actual update itself has been released. I know they've been doing some other prep work for it. Um, I'm not actually in-game there at the moment, but uh, we shall let you know, unless anybody else knows offhand. I don't think so. I don't think I've had to update my timelines yet. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing it in any of the updates. Um, so, um, yeah, hopefully... And that will come up soon. Okay, on to some Star Trek news. So IDW, um, to tell Mirror Universe tales of Star Trek, the next generation, for in Free Comic Book Day. So that's including Borg data. And a ripped Picard. Oh my God. <laughs> it is a sleeveless, it is a sleeveless TNG top. And he has got like just the biggest, bulkiest arms. He looks like like those ninety-year-old grandpas you see that are like signing up for Mister Universe competitions. That's what he looks like. He's been working out. What can you say? Well, he's not the only one that's looking good. You've got Deanna in the background that uh, looks good as a Mirror Universe. See, here's the <laughs> the joke in my head is that. That data announces himself as part of Deanna Matrix Zero One. Cause she looks like a dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> and because he's Borg, it would it would just kind of fit that she's naturally the queen of him. In the nineties there was a mirror universe book and I recall the captain's women being crusher. But yeah, um, this is for um, Free Comic Book Day, which is on May 6th. So, um, yeah. Space, can... the final frontier. These are the voyages of the ISS Enterprise. Is continuing mission to conquer strange new worlds, to enslave new life and new civilizations, and to boldly go where no one has gone before. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> So um so yeah, keep an eye out for that. Wasn't um, there wasn't there a new magazine that had been released? I don't know if it's been released in America, but there was a, a magazine with 
like comics within a book or something yes um like a hardback bound edition of the comic books midnight you graphic novels yeah you had one of these in your hands didn't you yeah yes i got given um the first one yesterday so past the graphic novel collection so haven't had the chance to start reading any of it yet but uh, looks really good and the first one is the countdown series which was the the sort of prequel to the 2009 movie yes yeah now one of the things that um do you wanted to start doing was this week in star trek history um well um day in star trek history was when aaron eisenberg was born happy birthday so um yeah Nog, as most people will know him. Um, Captain Nog? <laughs> yeah. Eventually. So, so, yeah, he is celebrating his birthday today, so hope he has a wonderful time. Happy birthday! Happy birthday. You should record that, son. Send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, today I... When I got in, I was actually watching some dog-centric um, episodes from Season 7 of Deep Space Nine. So I um, thought it was quite fitting, given it was at his birthday. Although it wasn't something that was sort of planned. Um, it just sort of ended up sort of that way. Um, so last night, or technically in my morning... Um, of his birthday, um, I'd started watching the siege of AR five five eight, and um, yeah, earlier on I was halfway through. It's only a paper moon. Two of that... the most like depressing Nog episodes ever. But he does okay. such a fantastic job in them, though. Yes, I was going to yes, say he that. Does. Yeah, because it it just shows him dealing with the sort of post-traumatic stress PST, and depression yeah. of. Losing a leg as well, that he just shuts down and locks himself away in Vic's financial room and just tries to make him money. It's 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 one of those the G and T show likes to call the the O'Brien ones the the fuck with O'Brien episodes. They're these these are the few and almost and and, and really horrific fuck with Nog episodes. Because not only do we see the, the him dealing with the trauma and the post-traumatic stress in It's Only a Paper Moon, we see that initial trauma in the first place with the siege of uh, of AR, whatever the hell it five, was. 558. So, um, so, yeah, as I said, I thought it was quite fitting that I was uh, watching those episodes. Okay. Um, now, Stu... Um, think you put in the stuff in science lab yes um let me just call that information up so science lab is our section for all the real world science news so that's all related to sort of things that we've seen in science fiction or futuristic tv so i saw an article about the use and implementation of high-powered lasers for fighters and laser beams. One million dollars. (laughs) Uh, 
Yes, so these are being developed for use by the US Navy and the US Air Force as a form of air-to-air -air combat and for defensive purposes as well, shooting down missiles and taking out drones and stuff. The idea being that to use lasers would be a heck of a lot cheaper than using bullets or missiles just because you could pretty much charge them up and they wouldn't necessarily take a lot of power to to just hit something in the right spot and disable it and knock it out of the sky. So what, they're making a focused EMP pulse with a laser? Basically a, a heat laser to essentially could incinerate targets or incinerate the engine of something and it just... So they're basically making a phaser. No, no. Phasers are compressed beams of energy. This is a laser. This yeah, is that's why I say they're sort of. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> but the idea is that they are going to begin testing on larger aircraft like the, the Hercules because they're still trying to miniaturize the technology that they've got. So they need a, a large platform to test it on and just work out how to how to produce the components and make it smaller. So I'm guessing that something like this would be mounted into uh, a form of like a, a mission pod that could be fitted underneath the middle section of a plane, similar to the way that they've got comms pods that they use. And yeah, it would be a matter of just pointing the plane at the target and opening fire. Flipping the switch and then making sure you stayed locked onto the target so that the uh, amount of heat was actually generated enough to do whatever damage you're hoping to do. See, that's the difference between a laser and a phaser. The damage is done instantly with a phaser. With a laser, even a high-powered laser, it still takes time to spool up to that amount of damage. Yeah, uh, it's like, which is uh, why I said a sort of phaser, not a phaser. It's like the old magnifying glass in the sun trick. It takes a couple of seconds to start mm -hmm. burning whatever you've pointed at. Mm -hmm. See, and this is where I think it's kind of impractical to start doing that on, on, on fighter planes anyway. Because not only, you know, are you having to do dogfighting, which, you know, you're going to be in somewhat, you know, close range combat with, with this, with the intention of doing this. Yeah, you're going to... You, you, with conventional weapons, the damage is out, and if you miss, you miss, and if you hit, the damage is done. With this kind of thing, you're going to have to be more than an aerial ace because you're going to have to stay locked on a target long enough for the damage to actually take place. So the moment anybody, you know, the moment any 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 sort of system of sensors. Uh, realizes there is a beam traveling from one plane to another, guess what the other pilot is going to do? Evasive maneuvers to hell to get rid of that, you know, to get rid of that beam. Something like this would need some form of computer-controlled help as well. If, if it was being used as a, an anti-missile defense, there would need to be a computer-controlled turret that would detect missiles incoming and be able to lock them. onto them yeah yeah uh i don't know what sort of speed a cruise missile would move at but 
they're fairly fast. <laughs> whatever, whatever is launching its speed plus the speed of the propellant in the missile—that's that's how physics works. See, there's there's propellant that propels the missile in the first place, and if you're in a plane, that missile goes even faster because you're going at a at, at a predestined speed. Although the gra- you know, forces of gravity at work in an atmosphere would slow down the missile at some point. But yes, initially you'd be launching a missile faster than that missile was intended to go with the propellant in it in the first place. Space science. <laughs> And you've also also got another story as well, haven't you? Yeah, it's just another one of those, like, pie-in-the-sky stories. The pie Mm, at night. Meat and potato treats sent into space. So a meat and potato pie has been attached to a weather balloon and sent into space. The pioneering pastry, believed to be the first ever launched into the stratosphere, was launched from Wigan. Lol! You said pioneering. Lol. (laughs) <laughs> so they've sent a pie into space to work out the if it would change the molecular structure of the pie. There had been an idea that they reckoned it would freeze on the way up and cook on the way down. But what I heard afterwards was it didn't work out like that. Well, yeah, because if it would have been inside, it would have been inside the heat shield. And it doesn't, although it gets hotter, it's not going to get that hot because it's got the deflective heat shield things protected. So, otherwise, our astronauts I wanna, would. Kind of want to point out the thing everybody's missing because, like, everybody's we're, we're talking about the thing cooking going, uh, cooking coming down and freezing going up. Okay, okay. The whole point of this was to see if a pie actually. <laughs> I'm sorry. The comic book nerd inside of me goes, they put a pie into space to see if cosmic rays would affect it and make it a superhero. Pie man. That's, I mean, that's basically what they did. Let's put a pie into orbit. You know, let's, let's simulate, let's simulate everything organic on Earth, including flesh, because, you know, meat in a potato pie and a, a meat in a potato pie. And let's send it up into space and see if it changes because space. That's like the origin story for the Fantastic Four, period. Let's go into space. Oh, wait, we weren't protected from the cosmic radiation. Ah! Okay. Space does weird things to consumables. Apparently it turns wine into vinegar. Well, wine naturally turns into vinegar on Earth. It's called aging. Yeah, but in space it does it at a more accelerated rate. Okay, that's because there is no atmosphere. I mean, there's there's a reason wine has to be kept humid and in a controlled environment. Otherwise it sours and it turns into vinegar, right? So if you took if you took a bottle of wine and threw it into space, with no like environmental protection, guess what? It sours. I mean, by the time you get it back, it would be frozen. But yeah, it would still be <laughs> vinegar. <laughs> I would just have that scene from the start of Generations in my head with the the bottle of champagne smashing into the hull of the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a good scene. That was okay. So in the community, so um, 
do you think you put in a couple of extra items here as well yep we've got star vet so a veterinary nurse at a a vet center in texas was recently given the permission to create and design her own uniform after she was seen wearing a star trek delta badge she'd mentioned offhand to her boss that she wanted to to wear a star trek style uniform to which her boss just said do it so she produced her own starfleet science blue original series Mr. Spock style uniform as a tribute to Leonard Nimoy. It's even got braiding down the sleeve of it to denote the rank as well. That's cool. As Spock would say, fascinating. Well, well, Timberwolf's got to disappear, so thanks for joining us. See you, Timberwolf. (laughs) Between work and the snow and ice is hitting the road. Yeah, I gotta go. Um... Nice meeting you, geez. Jeez. Jeevis. I don't know. We're going to figure out something for you. Um, good meeting you. Geezer. 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 He's a geezer. Yeah, nice to meet you lot too. And uh, cheers for the warm welcome. Absolutely, sir. For everybody else, I'll see you guys next week. We'll catch you later, Timberwolf. See ya. Am I Dang. the only one that, that wants to put bot at the end of his name and call him Jeezbot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'll do> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Apparently. um so yeah, you'd also listed um something else too. Yes, I'd like to pass on our regards to our loyal listener Fred Ortiz, who was recently in hospital for uh, a blood problem that he was having. I hope you're feeling better, Fred, and get well and stay well and look after yourself. Yeah, get well soon, Fred. Hope you're back home soon. Okay, community feedback. So, Sun, did you want to go through the feedback that we've got from listeners? So, um, however long ago it was when we asked these questions, we asked... <laughs> totally we last asked, year, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it was a year ago, wasn't it? Nah! Did you make use of the Star Trek Online $100 Zen promotion? And if so... What did you win? Chozo Elder Second commented from the Stowe forums and said, Yeah, no, I'm not someone who can go around throwing Benjamins all willy-nilly towards microtransactions in a free-to-play game. Nor am I someone who just happens to have 10,000 zen lying around to start spending. I'm not a whale. Alex Wunger replied from the forums and said, Nope, I don't like the odds of that promotion. I'm I'm at odds with Perfect World's rather unprofessional demeanor. We went over a lot of examples before, and even if those weren't enough to stop me, and they are, I will not support Cryptic during this expansion's life cycle. Fair enough. Our second community question was, what are your thoughts on the up-and-coming Star Trek Timelines 1.6 release? Give me a moment. I have to prepare my voice for this. So, Alex Wunger replied on the forums, I don't play timelines, I don't play timelines, I don't play timelines, I don't play it! Is is that that good enough? That was... Son, that was amazing. That was pretty good. Is that good enough? (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't want to go higher. I might shatter windows and it's snowing outside. Okay. Listen. <laughs> hey, Sorry, I did I distract you? Look, no, I had to take a drink, okay? After that, I had to take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> So, community question three was, what are, what are your thoughts on Esri Dax's character from DS9, the TV, uh, t the DS9 TV series, and or the novels? Oh boy, Chozo Elder Second became our Alex this time around. So, Chozo responded on the forums, I hope you're noticing that I'm skipping super hard on questions relating to timelines, colon P. Trigger warning, I think. I don't know. I... I was honestly surprised at the vitriol for Esri, so I'm just going to leave this here just in case this triggers anyone. Then, you know, sorry. I finished all of DS9 somewhere near the beginning of November. I liked Esri. I think it's pushing it a little when I hear words like bitchy or whiny. While I, while I liked Jadzia, I definitely didn't see her in the same light as everyone else seemed to see her. She was far and away from being my favorite character. My favorites were Sisko and Odo. I guess Jadzia just didn't quite click for me as hard as it did for other fans. In that regard, I didn't automatically uh, hold a grudge against her just because she was... Uh, I didn't ho automatically hold a grudge against Ezri just because she was the replacement. Truth be told, I actually preferred Ezri's cute, unexperienced, and growing character to Jadzia mostly being a smartass. And this is not a negative, uh, that, and th the fact that she just seemed to have as few flaws as possible. While it's true that Ezri has eight lifetimes worth of experience, we know that this alone is not enough to actually mold her into who she really is. Ezri is not Jadzia. Ezri is Ezri. And it's going to take more than just her past experiences to figure things out. Is it a trope? Yes. But it's the one that I prefer more than the overly confident, there's only a handful of things I can't handle one. The unfortunate thing is we only got to see one season of her. Remember when Ezri convinced Worf that getting rid of corruption in the Klingon Empire was the right thing to do? Ezri definitely had her moments. The episode where she helps Garrick was one of my favorites. So I like uh, so I like Luke Skywalker more than I like Han Solo. So what? I'm not gonna blame anyone for liking Jadzia more than Ezri, nor am I going to try to change anyone's opinion. Though the hate for Ezri feels like it's going overboard. I haven't read any of the books, and I'm currently watching through all of Enterprise for the first time as DS9's replacement, and watching two other shows on top of that as well. As well, I can't consume more than that at the moment. Oh, there is a whole conversation we could have on Ezri and Jadzia and the possibility of things. Well, because the thing is, a lot of people. As was mentioned in the feedback, they sort of bitch say, "Oh, Ezri's so whiny and everything else like that." But that's the whole point. People like Jadzia. She worked hard. She knew what to expect. She prepared for the joining. Ezri didn't have that, and that was the whole point of the first um, few episodes with her. Was it? She was trying to find herself. She was not prepared for any of what happened. And sort of, yeah, sometimes I do wonder, it's just like, seriously, you sort of miss the whole point of 
that. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> I think, to, to be honest, in my opinion, it would have been a lot more interesting to see the the dark side of of the joining out of a performance for a new a, a, a replacement to Jedzia, because we've seen what goes on during uh, a smooth transition. Essentially, Jedzia gains the symbiont. She's been trained for this her whole life. She there's not much she can't handle because she has both the past experiences and her own scientific know-how. Okay, we've dealt with that. Now, let's throw this in this whole situation on its head. She gets killed. Okay. She's they're trying to take the symbiote back to back to Trill as fast as possible. They can't do it. Luckily, they have a Trill on board, but you know, because of the whole uh, trills can accept, uh, you know, most trills in society actually can be joined to uh, a symbiont. Let's put it in the one trill that we do have so that the, the, the symbiont actually survives. Oh, wait, no, she's not strong enough. All the other pos uh, personalities are actually taking hers over. That would have been interesting. Why not? Ha why not see the 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 position of a symbiont actually taking over instead of the personality being a joined union between the two? Because there's only one dark character um, from her past, and they'd already done that storyline with Jadzia. Well, so no, that would have just see, been reusing not, that. That's not what I'm talking about. See, having the having the dark character is one thing. Having the dark character, because he was in full control of the Dax symbiont. The symbiont didn't control him. He was the murderous, rampageous thing in that, not the symbiont. Yeah, but only aspects of each of those personalities um, are part, sort of merge with her and are active. Right, and that right. was part and of what she was going through. Is She was so confused because she was asked like her name and things like that, but she's got so many of these little memories that these things is just... It took her a little while to think, oh, who am I or what am I? Um, it was just that sort of confusion, whereas she just was just unprepared. And I don't think that sort of personalities would have been that strong to take sort of an, over her and sort of lose herself. From what all the stuff about the joinings that we've seen and heard, none of that sort of happens. That's why I say this is that's that's something we should have seen because like we, we talk about all these, you know, when when is it ever talked about of you know when is there actual you know this is the story of somebody losing themselves to the symbiont that we've ever seen? We've not. We had Duran, but Duran was a lunatic in the first place, and then he got the symbiont and he became a mass murderer. See, what I'm thinking is that, okay, so Jadzia was, well, I, I can't remember how exactly she was killed, but it was some kind of like brutal energy wave or something. So surely that's injured your symbiont, which it needs to go back home for medical treatment. So you've got a, a damaged beast on the spaceship and then something happened to it again and it had to be put into the nearest person that could hold it. Surely that a combination of someone who's not prepared and a damaged beast equals psychosis. Uh, she would go bonkers. 
rather than just being a wee bit confused that they missed out on it. I do have to. I do have to wonder though, what the hell happened to the? Oh, by the way, we can totally put a symbiont in Riker because we did that. What? What? You know? What happened to that logic? You know? It's like, oh, luckily we had a symbiont. Uh, and luckily we had a trill on board, so we just shoved it in her. Um, there was a whole episode of the Next Generation where they took the the worm out of another trill and shoved it into Riker. Yeah, but they like compl- just when they started Deep Space Nine alone, they scrapped everything they did with the trill because the trill didn't have spots and all sorts of other things. They basically reinvented the trill when it came to Deep Space Nine. I mean, I understand that, but I mean, I mean, come on. There's like a whole episode where they shove a worm in a Riker. I mean, all a Stargate, you know. Go out stuff. Well, didn't they say though that it was only temporary? It was like a. Right, they can it was basically it an s- oh shit maneuver. Like, right, what right, the hell are we going to do with this thing? Quickly stick it in Riker. Right, they, right. It was a last ditch effort because you know the 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 symbiont was dying because the host was dying. So they stuck it in Riker. Riker was able to do whatever hosty things he needed to do, and then they. They stuck it back in the host who had gotten better at that point. And it took like, you know, and Riker was actually starting to, you know, physically manifest the signs of, of strain on his body that, 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 that he was not compatible with having the symbiont in him. And yeah, it was, it was a, you know, a desperate last-ish effort maneuver, but he was still able to maintain a cohesion for hours on end, and even if it was for a couple of hours, those could have been the hours needed to get back to trail to shove the the worm in a new person. Somebody, you know, from the Academy. And yes, I'm going to just start calling them the Worm Academy. (laughs) So yeah, we've also got um, some feedback on this question from Alex as well, don't we? Yes, yes, we do. Which, surprisingly, is shorter than Chozo's response. (laughs) (laughs) So Alex replied, If it's not in-game on screen, it didn't happen. Shrug. So let's talk about her on Deep Space Nine. I like Jadzia. I did not quite hate Esri as a replacement, but she was so bland and annoying. If she had gotten more than a season, it might have worked. But the way it was, I remember her being shoved into my face with the intent of being cute. Her interactions with the crew made me cringe. That relationship between her and Bashir made me cringe. Well, to be fair, Bashir himself made me cringe. (laughs) It's true, honestly. And the one thing I remember about her was when she tried to psychoanalyze Garrick, and and instead Garrick turns around and pushes all her buttons. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I mean, she was supposed to be the counselor, right? Letting a client get under her skin like that was really unprofessional. And at the same time, I cheered for Garrick. 
I mean, on a human level, what he did right there was rather rude and unnecessary and uncalled for. But I cheered for him because he shut her up. Sure, when she started crying in the Bajoran Temple, I felt a little bad for her. But it was so satisfying to have someone just play her like a violin. You know, if Garrick hadn't been Garrick, he might have been an awesome counselor. I don't disagree. Garrick is one of those characters who probably would have made a better career on Deep Space Nine as a counselor and not a tailor. <laughs> don't think many people would leave his office, though. <laughs> oh, th there would be plenty of people who would leave his office. They would just leave his office wholly confused. Or full of poison. No, just confused. The only people, the only people who would enter his office with the intent to harm, would never leave his office because there's a disintegration setting on all phasers, even Cardassian disruptors. Yes, I remember when he—I uh, don't know who it was—but he vaporized his friend, and he just said something <laughs> like, "Well, isn't that a shame? I rather, I rather liked, liked him." him. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine, though? <laughs> the discussion that goes on between Odo and Garrick as a as Counselor Garrick when Counselor Garrick blows up his own office to start a <laughs> to start a to start a hunt to figure out what's going on between the the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order on their uh, attack on uh, the Founders. <laughs> you blew up your own shop, and then 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 the response. <gasps> I've never seen that face before. What face is that, Constable? It's surprise because you knew that. Uh, because I knew that you blew up your own shop. <laughs> that whole exchange was awesome. Garrick has the best exchanges in Deep Space Nine. Period. I am sorry, him and um, him and Quark in the bar when he's drinking Canar, and Quark gets him to try root beer. It's like, can the Federation save us? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one where I think it was him and Bashir were sitting having lunch one day and Bashir was talking about oh, the boy who cried wolf. With, you mean every episode with him and Bashir. <laughs> and Bashir was talking about the boy who cried wolf. Garrix is ah, like, yeah. surely the moral is don't tell the same lie twice. <laughs> It's true. So we also had some general feedback. Oh my god, Chozo Elder, what has you done to me? Did he break you? Did you die? Look, look at his feedback compared to Alex's general feedback. By feedback, you mean an essay. There, 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 is, more, there is more words inside the response from Chozo than there are from Alex in general feedback. Chozo has become our new Alex. <laughs> Chozo Alex Wonder the Second. Oh God, they're merging. Are they trills? One of them's the the worm, and the other one's a person. Oh God, I'm just imagining. I'm imagining the scene from the motion picture. Oh no, they're forming, and you hear the hideous screams as those people are actually. <laughs> being beamed over but not being beamed over properly because the transporter thing fried in engineering right in the middle of the beam in god that was a terrible scene that is still they, one of the most they don't horrifying. build these ships very well do they i mean 
Well, the... what do you expect? They keep releasing a new one every two and a half weeks. This is why the Federation has problems. In the motion picture, their ship is all screwed up and the warp drive went mental and the transporters had this bizarre habit of killing people. And then in Star Trek V, just, just... this ship was put together by monkeys. Half the doors don't even open. But remember, remember, it was Scotty who <laughs> who stopped the Excelsior from catching up the Enterprise in the first place by fiddling with the transwarp drive from the Excelsior. Do you remember <laughs> yeah, you what just his response took the was? Processors out of it. You remember what his response was? The more they overthink the plumbing, the easier it is to stuff up the drain. <laughs> This is what happens when you keep designing new ships every couple of weeks, Federation slash cryptic. But but enough about that. I'm delaying this response as long as I can because I really don't want to say any of it. <laughs> so Chozo Elder Second responded in, as general feedback. I'm tilting my head when people are saying I'd think about it if it was a guaranteed drop of my choice on the forums. For those who don't know why ships from promo packs are crazy stupid expensive, promo pack ships are top tier when it comes to rarity. Granted, the drop rate is higher than a lockbox ship, at least according to the general word of mouth, uh, 1 out of 250 for a lockbox and 1 out of 100 for promotion packages. That's the chance. But the reason why they're so pricey is because they're a limited time promotion and take months for them to come back, whereas lockbox ships tend to stay around for longer periods of time. Whether it's by EC or Zen, many people continuously spend away just for a chance to land even a single ship. Then there's what th then there's the whales who open them in bulk and don't care about the drop rate because they're still going to have tons of low buy at the end. Most of the time, that's what people uh that's what people are going for when uh when that wait a minute. I think I read over a sentence. Oh, okay. Oh, I was reading it right. I just read it out wrong. Most of the time, that's what people are going for when they try to earn low buy. Since the drop rate on the ship is higher, people open these to get the low buy instead of the lockboxes. Because it's it's better to spend a thousand zen on 40 low buy with a higher chance of a much rarer ship than spend 1,125 uh, 1, zen on an average of... On an average of 5 low buy per 10 boxes, 50 low buy, with a lower chance of a ship rarity. The reason why promo ships have a higher drop rate is because opening a promo pack is, by definition, more expensive than opening a lockbox. Does anyone honestly think they would just hand over one for $100? Don't get me wrong, I would love to be wrong. And I know that $100 for a character-bound virtual toy is already an absurd price point. But the reality is that there are already enough people gambling away and chasing after them at higher prices. 1.2 to 1.5 billion EC is a lot more than $100 worth of in-game items. The Treat Yourself promotion is honestly only for those that are buying the new Infinity promo packs in bulk. Spend $100 worth of Zen and receive four more items worth $10. 
it's a bonus worth of 10% of what you spend. I honestly don't know what to say at all the backlash, and I don't know why a, uh, a deal not meant for them upset a lot of people. If I see a if I see a deal or a promo that doesn't suit me, I say, meh, and move on. Black Friday was the thing that happened. Did people forget about the recent 25% discount on everything in the C-Store? Wasn't that a great deal for pretty much just about anyone? No? Okay. Am I defending this street of self-promotion? And the reason I'm saying that is because that's literally how it was, was. It was yo apostrophe self. That's that's literally how the promotion was titled for those who don't know. Like a gangster. Like a I am defending am I defending this treat of self-promotion? No. The Black Friday bonuses were far better than this in terms of being more bang for your buck. However, Considering that this was obviously targeted at whales buying promo packs in bulk, it makes sense that a bonus four-pack would be what they preferred instead of a sea store ship they might already own. I think they should have been twenty per- uh, a 20% bonus, e.g. eight free packs, for every 10,000 zen spent. That would have been an ideal sweet spot, in my opinion. I... I, I, see, this is the one thing about this promotion that a lot of people did not understand, and I had to constantly point out again and again and again. Yes, the $100 thing, uh, this promotion was about was not about buying Zen, $100 worth of Zen. It was about spending $100 worth of Zen, as in you either already had uh, 10,000 Zen, or you uh or you went out and bought a hundred dollars worth of Zen to then turn around and spend while this promotion was on to get the extras from the promotion. A lot of the backlash that came from this promotion was one that they misunderstood it because they thought that it was a go buy a hundred dollars more worth of Zen when that wasn't what it is. And two, this was a promotion coming out just after the Black Friday sale in which it was, hey, look, here's a whole bunch of cheap Zen and a whole bunch of your favorite stuff that you want to buy on sale. Get it now. And people bought Zen and bought what they wanted. And then a week later, this promotion comes out and it's, oh, hey, by the way, spend another $100 and get these four extra things. But only while this event is running, and that's it's. I think that's the major rub for a lot of people. So, yeah. I think it was just. It, it seemed odd to have a lot of little mini sales. They, they should have just had a one month long, sale promotion thing, that bundled everything into it, rather than. Was it four different types of sales that they did during that month at the the end of the day? Well. Uh, at this point, I don't even remember because I don't I don't pay attention to them selling stuff because I don't buy stuff from Cryptic anymore. I mean, I'm admitting that right now. I don't buy stuff from Cryptic anymore. Uh, at this point, I'm like Alex. I have no faith in them for. I have no faith in them to deliver content to me. I have whole faith in them to deliver disappointment to me. Because that's like the one thing that they constantly deliver. So I don't I don't pay attention to these sales. 
I mean, the only reason I paid attention to this sale because it's it was right after Black Friday, and it's like, oh, by the way, here's a new promotion. Spend 10,000 Zen in-game while this event is going on for one weekend and get four R&D boxes with a chance to get the uh, the Infinity box inside of them. And it's like, ah, okay, my... I, I was, interestingly enough, I was the first person to post on that forum for Ambassador Kale's link to that that blog. And I'm like, I am so sorry for all the hate you're about to receive, but uh, I know it's not fault. And I am so sorry that you're about to get all this. And then all of the hate just started flooding in. It was ridiculous. And, you know, a lot of it was... Cryptic has a problem in their marketing. Perfect World has a, pr- a problem with their marketing. They don't make stuff clear when they when they have a promotion. And when they do make stuff clear, quote-unquote, make stuff clear, it's in confusing lingo. Like, send 10,000 Zen. Instead of, you know, okay, that's that's exactly what they want you to do. But they're not making it clear this is not a buy Zen promotion. This is a spend Zen promotion. Yeah, if you've got loads and loads and loads of dilithium and you just convert it to Zen, then purchase stuff with the Zen, you should still be eligible for it, right? Well, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Because there was no... There was no... There was no clarifying information. Again, there was no clarifying information. Was it 10,000 Zen that you already had in your account? Was it 10,000 Zen that you had to buy during the promotion and spend? Was it 10,000 Zen that you purchased through the exchange by converting dilithium into Zen? It never said. It did not clarify that. And that's, again, it's on the marketing team for 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 all of the shit and backlash. Uh, hello? Sorry, I was just lost in 40 million windows here. <laughs> My you're, computer you're... just went all crazy on me. Meanwhile, Midnight's trying to, to gather the pictures of the dress. Now, tell me, tell me, uh, Stu, is that dress black and blue or white and gold? Uh... Because <laughs> it's a tossed nurse uniform, so it's naturally blue and black. <laughs> I thought you were referring to the the old sort of photo that was going about. Like that's the... exactly what I was referring to. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was referring to. That, that photo has caused holy wars. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, the, the, the toss nurse's outfit is blue and black. It's blue and it's got that black trim around the neckline. Oh, the, the color of it, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh God. Although sometimes Bones wore one that was just it was it had a blue collar as well. Yeah, but see that was that was his I wanna say that was a doctor's top and not a nurse's outfit because let's face it, he was a doctor, not a nurse. And all the nurses around him were stereotypically female. Damn it man, I'm a doctor, not a nurse. Anyway, Chozo Elder goes on to say, I'm I'm baffled at the suggestion of giving away a guaranteed promo ship for only a third of what it usually costs in trade channels. 
The promo packs are successful enough to continue the practice. There's no reason to just give a promo ship at approximately 495 million EC when they're listed on the trade channel at nearly 1.5 billion EC apiece. I used the second best EC to Zen ratio, selling keys, for my math, and the best Zen to EC ratio for it, uh, is selling promo packs. I use the keys since those are always readily available. Oh, okay, he's explaining his math here. So instead of using the best ratio, which is the promo packs for Zenda EC, he used the keys because the keys are always there. So you can continuously gauge the, the consumer market based on value and translate them into what they're worth buying them from the Zen store versus what their current price is on the exchange. Got it. Well... Maybe there's a valid reason if we're talking about the spirit of the holidays and being more than simply just nice to your customers every once in a while. But they're not going to be generous by hurting one of the most successful moneymakers in the game. They're going to be generous in other ways. Sales, free in-game event ships, freebie giveaways, etc. I was going to add some points on why exactly the Phoenix upgrades are so amazing, but I'm a little drained at the moment. Plus, I don't want to make you read too much. Sorry about the long feedback. It's too late. It must have been some kind of disturbance in late. his force when he got to the end of that. I like Alex's response, which, let's be honest, is is several weeks late. <laughs> is several weeks later? Good morning, and let's get some feedback in just before the show. Yeah, you have an annoying habit of doing that, Alex. There will be nothing on the forums, and then we'll be in the middle of starting the show, and I'll go and look at the forums, and there's a post by you. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even know how to pronounce this company's name. I don't think anybody knew how to pronounce this company's name, so I'm just going to call them you E3D. Call 3D. I'm just going to call them <laughs> E3D. E3D shutting down. Yes, those 3D printed ships have been announced and shown around uh and shown around STLV. Not happening. And you know that because we read news sites and social media and the Twitter dev tracker, but wait, what? Oh and A we dev know, what? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm 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 my eyes are in this weird thing where me staring at the screen. I mean, like, bit overlooking at the screen. The screen still seems, like, five feet away from me. So I'm trying to read small print even when I'm, my face is right in front of the screen. Yes, those 3D printed chips have been around and shown at STLV. Not happening. And we know that because we read the news sites and social media and the Twitter dev tracker. But I guarantee you there are people who don't know and who keep waiting for the official announcement community thingamagic. At, and at the same time, Perfect World really likes to partner up with companies that just fail to deliver. That groupies debacle, the hubbub about whiz kids, now E3D going down in flames months after the partnership was announced, and before anything even started to happen. Technically, none of this is Perfect World's fault, but they are in, involved in all of it. And one of these days... People will start to remember them as the one thread that connects all these mishaps. The K13 Special Unlock on console. What did you say? The consoles don't have any Agents of Yesterday K13 yet? Yes, you're correct. They don't. 
the blog meant to talk about the dilithium mine cosmetic projects. You know, I understand that mistakes happen, and I will look the way, uh, I will look the other way every once in a blue moon. But right now, it feels like if there is any amount of copy and paste involved in something, it will be wrong. Let's be real. This kind of track record is there with this kind of track record. Is there really anything you can say that I can rely upon? I'm not saying, I'm just saying, you know? This copy-pasting thing really needs to stop. I'm gonna go straight to the cryptic office and, like, knock down their front door and destroy their copy-pasting computer that's full of their templates and just be like, nah, deal with that. Write your own stuff. Tales from K13 Part 4! Here we go again. Again, expertly written. Again, things don't add up. I mean, the story of those officers, sure, I don't mind that. Let me rephrase that. I actually like the part, that part of the blog. The fact, that, the fact that there is a male nurse, that's nice. And he ends up hooking with the Vulcan security officer? Aww, that's nice. Now remind me, why do... Nadera and Dridge, the Cardassian and Orion time cops, do this kind of cleanup duty? Shouldn't our people do that? Wasn't the temporal nonsense supposed to end with Ragnarok? See, I had the same exact thought. They say it goes down to the whole the matter of Daniels referring to it and saying that he had people investigating it. I think that's where, where that comes from. Yep. Yeah, Daniels wouldn't Daniels wouldn't have any say over Nadera in the first place. Daniels is from the 29th century. Nadera and the captain of the the whatever the hell it is is from the 31st century. Well, maybe it's a matter of like, you know, See, it's, this is why it's like time a corporate is, This is why like time a corporate travel tree. Is, bo is both hated and is full of so much fuckery because Daniel says Oh, we'll have people investigate. Okay, those people would not include people from his future. Well, what if the bosses are in the 31st century? The sort of mid-level employees are from the 29th. The low-ranking employees are from the 26th. And, like, the, the really bottom of the, the rung, like, the chicken soup vendor guys are us in the 24th century. Again, again, see, this is see, again, this is more temporal fuckery. See, because we're as temporal agents ourselves, as part of the agents of yesterday thing. Wouldn't we, and shouldn't we, be in the 29th century technically, and not here now? Because everything here and now are the other characters from the normal timeline are dealing with. We're here to just, as temporal agents, we're here to just fix up timeline mistakes. And then go back to the future, you know, uh, no pun intended, and 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 no copyright infringement intended. And Great just, Scott! And just go back to the 29th and 31st century and wait around for the next mission that has us going back in time to fix a thing, not dealing with current, present day, and stuff. So I'm just trying to mentally digest all this time stuff. See, this is this is exactly why I say, you know, you've got you've got four dimensions that a lot of people a, a lot of a lot of people understand four dimensions. Ziggy says there's a ninety nine point five percent probability that you will be confused right now. 
if you're still confused next week, three months ago, <laughs> can talk about that yesterday. See, see, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're the, they're the three dimensions everybody understands. Flat out, there are three dimensions. That's why we have three D models and three D printing, and that's why when I reach out and touch my computer screen, I reach out and touch my computer screen because those initial three dimensions are what gives form to how we perceive the universe. The fourth dimension in that is time itself and the perception of time, which is wholly different from how we view it, which we view it linearly, which that's not how it, that's why time is its own dimension. Time travel skips five and six and goes straight to being a seventh dimensional problem because you're dealing not only with being placed in time, but you're dealing with the effects of other times and universes existing at the same time, which is a couple of dimensions later, because the time in one universe, in one perceived universe, can be wholly different than the time in another. Like a multi-branching tree thing. This is, this is why the mirror universe is a universe. It is a parallel universe. It is a separate timeline. But when do we ever go back? When do we, when do we ever, as temporal agents, invade the mirror timeline to, quote-unquote, set things right because prime timeline? We, we don't. We screw around in just about every other one but the mirror universe. Oh, we've screwed around there quite a bit. I mean... No, 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 just... no. We, we haven't screwed around. They screwed around in their own timeline and then invaded ours. Well, what about the we whole... Haven't uh... gone, we haven't gone to the mirror universe, specifically to the mirror universe, to correct something for our timeline. We went Didn't... to the mirror universe to deliver a mirror or back to their timeline. I was thinking about the, the series when... Uh... They they just went over there and like they just murdered Odo for, well, laws. Right, but they didn't go. They didn't go over there to quote unquote fix a timeline, and 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 not and wholeheartedly not to fix the proper timeline quote unquote. You know what the what the hell we have created all of these. This is this is exactly why we're like this is why we need to stop doing the time travel shit. We, at this point in Star Trek Online, we have erased the Iconian episode from history. You know, where, where um, the captain of the Hathaway contacts Picard and said, we found Iconia, here's a map, it was on this asteroid. Yeah, we erased that asteroid from history. That entire episode of The Next Generation never happened. You know what else that Contagion. means? Contagion. You know what else that means? That means the episode where we follow Worf around and Worf goes, I remember shutting down the thing on Iconia. No, you don't. That episode that we played that involved us is now erased from history. It is also changed because that never happened and Worf never did that thing and he was never there to tell us about it. Did Worf deal with the Iconian gateway in the Gamma Quadrant? Yes, yes, he did, because he was part of Cisco's strike team with the Jim Hadar. And, 
and then they wouldn't know that that was Iconian technology. Because, because, because that's what, because, because the Jem'Hadar first killed the other officer that had been fighting with Worf the whole time on the way to the planet. And, and Cisco's like, you are, you are grounded. Go to your room and don't come out until you're on duty. And the Jem'Hadar first goes, what the frack are you doing? You're supposed to kill him. He is causing dissension in the ranks. But yeah, no, I, again, like, even even to the point of being in DS9, okay, if that episode had then happened in DS9, nobody in the Federation would have known what an Iconian gateway was, and it would have been Wayun 4 telling them about it. So it would have been the Dominion actually imparting information about the Iconians. Yep. To the Federation. Rather like, than, oh yeah, no. Iconians, we know them. We need but to go no, and slow the no, 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 we're, no. We're now currently in the prime timeline because, no, we're not. What we have done in the Iconian story arc has wholly changed our entire universe. Why? Because of one line that came from Captain Nog. I'm going to line us up to a parallel timeline. Parallel is not the same as the original. It is parallel. Just like the mirror universe is parallel. So yeah, the mirror universe is a parallel timeline. And I don't understand why we didn't dick around in it like we have just about everything else. Yeah, we've even faffed about in the Kelvin verse. We have dicked around in everyone but the mirror universe. And the only time we go to the mirror universe and the mirror, ti- the mirror timeline is specifically to, like, s- give shit back that either belongs there or deal with them invading us. It's like, n- no! Why why can't we dick around in the mirror universe? There Was there missions that we did faff about there and then they removed them from the game? Th- there was only... I seem to remember a Captain O'Brien of the USS Molly or something crazy yes, like there that. Was, there he was, was like O'Brien's son. There was several in the original Cardassian arc that had them trying to invade our timeline and our universe. And it was a stopping them from doing it mission. And the new one we have is, oh, by the way, go to Mirror Bajor and return this mirror orb because it doesn't belong in our timeline. Yeah, so we hauled it through the Badlands and took it back to Bajor where it belonged. It's just, oh god. I mean, honestly. This is why I say again and again and again, it's a seventh dimensional problem. This is this is Daniels here. Uh, whilst you're taking that orb back to the mirror universe, do you want to uh, just like kill Lita? Because yeah, she's going to be so so much of a problem at the Battle of Pokemon Five. Just like you know, go and phase her. <laughs> Did you like that one? <laughs> the Battle of Pokemon Five. They're all there. You've got to catch them all. The Spear Builders are there. The Krenum's there. The mirror universe is there. The Federation, the Klingons, the Romulans, everybody's there. You gotta catch them all. What's worse is that actually fits because the planet's name is Procyon. So it <laughs> works. That's, that's, uh, oh god, it works. Okay. Are you feeling better, Midnight? Oh, sorry, I'm arranging uh, interviews. <laughs> <laughs> ah. 
Are we going to be talking to Ambassador Salad soon? Ambassador Salad? Yeah, Ambassador Kale. Ah! Oh. <laughs> ah! You didn't get that, did you? Anyway, yeah. So I was uh, busy sorting some bits out. And we have some community questions. Question one. Are you excited for Tony Todd to be joining Star Trek Online? Question two. How many of the Star Trek Timelines events did you do during the um, Christmas holidays? Um, and question three. What are your New Year's hopes and resolutions? So, if you'd like to get hold of us, you can get us on all the social networks. Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Star Trek, Riser, and Player.me. That's a triples in XTC. If you'd like to send us an email, you can get us at hosts at triplesinxtc.com. And you can leave us a message either by using the widget on any of our web pages, or you can go to speakpipe.com forward slash triplesinxtc. You can also get us in syndication every Wednesday at trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net. And you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play. And Google Play is just for those of you in North America. Okay, well, look forward to hearing from you all. So, thank you all for joining us. And we shall catch you next week. Take care, everyone. Seventh Dimensional Problems! See you later. Next, last week, three months ago. Tomorrow is yesterday. satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends